Hey, Spencer, have you heard of Lisa Lampanelli? Oh, you're talking about the queen of mean, right? Yeah, but she's also become the queen of lean. Did you know that? She has a, a play called Stuffed, where she delivers brash, skinny insight from the fridge to your ears. No, oh, yeah, not, no. I don't think that's what happens in the play. <laughs> I've actually heard reviews for the New York Times that have said uh, Stuffed offers laughs, genuine pain, and even a bit of insight. So, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Why? Is that relevant to anything? Well, well, you know, yeah, Lisa Lampanelli, she's got a lot of street cred, and she's also got a new Feral Audio uh, podcast um, where she and her co-host, Mike Morse, uh, talk about health, food, body image, everything else to help you be the best you you can be. That's a that's a, that's a a real hairpin turn for the queen of mean. She's, she's stopped stomping on uh, political sensitivities uh, long enough to help you self-actualize and get, engage in some self-care. So what? She dishes out some tough love as she takes your questions about being fat? Fat, being skinny, being anything but right, and helps you grab a little self-acceptance. I mean, is that what we're talking about? Yeah, but there's other stuff too. Like if you if you want to get yelled at by uh, Lisa, you can email get stuffed at feralaudio.com, uh, and maybe she'll uh, she'll make you feel like a piece of shit on the, on the podcast, <laughs> or, or or maybe she'll make you feel better. I, you you don't know with Lisa Lampanelli, she's the queen. Of mean and lean, um, <laughs> give their give her hotline a ring three four seven four six four two six five four, and you might end up in the show that way too. But in either case, it's worth a listen. It's free. Like uh, I think it's very interesting that she that she's 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 like had some transformative n- nutritional experience that she and now is is, is doing insights because you know what's interesting about the idea of Lisa Lampanelli talking about body image and stuff is that we already know that she doesn't give a shit about what your feelings so and and what we probably need to do more of when we're talking about um, health issues and stuff is actually have some frank conversations we're a very fat country very diabetic country very diluted uh, v- vain. Um, uh, self-loathing, uh, shallow country. Like, like, what, what, what do we need to do to actually be healthy? I, I, I would trust uh, uh, the queen of mean turned queen of lean to, to, to tell me that. Yeah. So make sure you subscribe to uh, get stuffed. Get stuffed. Kick the craving. Subscribe to get stuffed on iTunes, Stitcher, FeralAudio.com/slash get stuffed, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Last Rampage. The new true crime film starring Robert Patrick, Heather Graham, and Bruce Davison. And we had the pleasure of speaking to someone involved with the movie. My name is Robert Patrick. I play Gary Tyson. That's Gary Tyson with an I. In the film Last Rampage. Evil broke loose in 1978. Arizona State Penitentiary. You know, that was interesting. What, what, what it was like playing a real person as opposed to a, a fictional character. It, it was really trying to wrap your head around how this guy could do some of the things that he could do. That was the, the things that you were drawn on. Of course, I, I, there was no way you're going to try to do an impersonation of a guy, nor was I going to try to, you know, get as heavy as the guy. Uh, I didn't have enough time to really go that route. But I, I, you know, I found him really, really interested in trying to live up to the charisma that he had. I fell in love with the folklore of the story, like there, you know, the the whole idea that he was a guy that was raised uh, during the Great Depression. See that, from a historical point of view, those kind of stories resonate with me. That yearning for something better, trying to find it, have to steal to get it, 
How do you deal with that if you're a religious person? You know, how do you run underneath that? How do you justify it? He had a double life sentence that he began to push his wife and his kids to say, God, you know, I'm going to serve one term, and when I die, I'm going to serve another term in hell. Uh, I got to get out of this. And and the 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 link that he was willing to uh, uh, go to to get his kids to help him get through this and get him out of prison was it was fascinating to me. Don't miss Last Rampage, the true story of the prison break of Gary Tyson. In theaters and available on iTunes and all on-demand platforms today. For more information, visit truecrimelive.com or follow the movie on Twitter at Last Rampage Film or on facebook.com slash lastrampagefilm. Feral Audio Hollywood, California. Oh, the Nerd Bell Theater at Meltdown Comics, Sunset Boulevard. Carmen Town is now in session. Happy Rosh Hashanah, Shana Toba, to all of our Jewish people listening out there. Let's bring out our game master, shall we, Mr. Spencer Crinton. Oh, yeah. As he scampers nimbly across the stage like a mountain goat. Let's also welcome the mayor of Harmon Town, Mr. Dan Harmon. Thank you. You're too kind. Um, what does that mean? Well, it's, it's humility. You're too kind. Yeah, I don't deserve. What this. am I, George Carlin? <laughs> Deconstructing the. First, what am I? What am I, Andy Kindler? <laughs> what am I, the What am I guy? Um, that's an Andy Kindler joke. Uh, the the uh, we gotta have Andy back on. Uh, yeah. uh, I'm very excited tonight. We have a best-selling author. He's written a landmark book. Like it's the, I don't know, I don't know what you'd call it. It kind of bridges. I mean, for those of you. For those few of you in the Harmontown demographic who may be somewhere on the spectrum, I mean, those rare couple of you, um, uh, you're, you might be aware of a sort of um, odd kind of tension that exists between the actually autistic, which is a hashtag that is used, you know, actually autistic, and and the and the like, really, really uh, uh, beleaguered, frantic, um, uh, uh, sometimes heroic, sometimes uh, unintentionally villainous parents of, of of autistic children who, you know, they 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 it's it's one of the most ironically divided like. Uh, um, uh, realms uh, I find ever since I've, uh, I've been writing uh, the character of Abed and Community I've sort of been drawn into this world and fascinated by it and, um, and this guy wrote this book that's sort of like it, it 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 makes a it makes holding hands across that schism somehow possible. It's a it's a really good book. If you've ever had questions about autism, what the hell it is, which we all do, because uh, in the seventies we were cattle prodding children still. Like to like, oh well, we can talk about that. Uh, they were called tingle sticks. Uh, 
it was and it was it was like it was one of the most popular it was, uh, it was uh, the guy that that, that invented it, that that treatment method was a hero uh, to 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 some of the most loving parents in the world because he represented a light at the end of a tunnel at, you know um, and it was, it was so it's ironic it's zapping zapping kids for not hugging you and then lo and behold after a while they start hugging you it's, it was looked at how, and how we, much, we did it we cured much, autism how much voltage was coming out of the tingle stick uh, it was it was tingly. <laughs> It was a modified cattle prod, I assume they... <laughs> I don't know how you calibrate it. <laughs> with an autistic child? Because that's a mistake, right? Yeah. You can't calibrate it with an autistic kid. You're going to like zap him and go, what do you think? And he's going to be like, lemons. <laughs> really, I, all right. Maybe up the voltage. Turn it up. <laughs> that sounds like that sounds like a joke making light of autism. But I, I, I obviously I, I'm uh, I'm uh, I, I, I care obviously 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 <laughs> obviously uh, isn't that obvious, people? I mean, I read the whole fucking audio book. It's like twelve hours long. Wait, you finished it? I did by listening to it at double speed. Nice. Like, so when I, I told the guy, when I met him, I said, I thought you sounded like Martin Scorsese. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you can read because it. Because listen, listen to him. You like, can hear it at double speed and it still scans? Like you can still dig it? Yeah. Maybe I'm autistic. <laughs> um... Yeah, no, it's it. You could, yeah, I could, I could. I've tried this with other books. Like I didn't. I tried this with the uh, Scientology book, and I did. I, I found myself having to slow it down. But I don't know if it's just the language of his writing. He's a great journalist. I, I'd love to talk to him about that too. I I spent so much time researching his. I mean, like reading his book that I didn't research his career, which is probably kind of awesome too. He's just a great journalist. And uh, but here's here's what the book sounds like uh, at double speed. It's crazy, right? <laughs> My influence is in the departed. I largely Hitchcockian, but people don't know that. Think about Hitchcock is. He, he loved Revelation. He loved Revelation. Uh... But uh, anyways, I, 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 whatever. I, I'm, I'm in a great mood. My wife is coming home tonight. She missed her flight yesterday. I'm a little concerned, but like, like I've been seeing the picture. She's, she's, she has lost a stone, not a kidney stone. A, she's lost, she's lost 14 pounds or more, um, which apparently the Irish still use stones to weigh stuff, which doesn't seem scientific because they come in at all. I mean, which, which stone could be a heavy one. <laughs> do they ra- do they round up or down to the to the nearest stone or? I don't I don't I don't even know if if what you're doing is a joke. Or... I, I'm asking an honest question. Well, I don't know what a stone is. A stone. He, is... he weighs seven stone. What is a stone? Is it, uh, metrically, what is a stone? Twenty pounds. Twenty pounds. All right. So yeah, so you weigh seven stone. So she what, lost, what, what, what if you weigh hundred? She lost a stone, pounds? and I think I may have found it oh, <laughs> while she was gone. Like I am. It was inside a donut. <laughs> And I like I took a bath tonight and I was like scrub a scrub scrub, like like because I really I literally all right like I'm accustomed to the fact that this will elicit a, a reaction. But in honor of our of the book we'll be discussing tonight, I say this I, I don't care. I haven't taken a shower since she left. Yeah. Oh my God, whistles. So. That's that's five. People, weeks? people are people are shocked when they hear how little I is, am capable of is showering. That five weeks. Um, I don't. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Like I, I, n- I never thought about it. I never did it. You know, maybe my chiropractor was probably like, ugh, it's like, <laughs> it's like a pin cushion full of stink pins. Uh, I know, I know my chiropractor has, has OCD and, and like, I know I must be, I, I must constantly challenge his career path. Like, I, I, he must, he, every time I leave his office, he must be like, why, 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 why do I have to care about the human back so much that this man is in my life? Because I like, every time I, every time I come into the office, I have to, cause you go, you face a table and then it goes, and you go down, but I have to empty my pockets and in my, my pockets are always just like, there's just like, you know random drugs and like beer bottle caps and like house keys and just like wads of money and he he always like he always the look on his face is like I might as well be baby rats <laughs> and he always goes like he goes like you have a little bit of lint on your shirt and I'm like, I'm like if he's if he's noticing lint on my shirt he wants to hang himself <laughs> Because here's some other stuff on my shirt. Uh, five weeks of residue, you know, blood stains from my back acne. Yeah. I'm not compatible with a... And he was, he was like, boy, if my mom saw that, like, like one time he said about like all my stuff, like he's like, he's like, you gotta get a money clip. Get a money clip. Like, you keep telling me that, but 42... I think, I think, I think, I think, I think everything's kind of baked up here. Like, I... <laughs> I got my phone, and I got my, my pocket that has all of my money, my wads of money. And I also feel like I probably lose like $600 a week, that, which is fair to me. It feels like karmic, like, 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 because do you give to panhandlers or, or, and encourage panhandling? Or as Spencer does, do you pull over when you see a guy recycling cans and like throw money at him that he didn't ask for it to encourage industriousness? <laughs> Are we BF Skinner? Is our job to program the homeless uh, with our money? The the actual solution is just ooze so much cash that you randomly just <laughs> like you just it just comes out of you it's like actual actual trickle down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, if Reagan was alive today, he would he would be like, this is what I meant. With the <laughs> Star Wars Initiative. Uh, <laughs> that's. <what> I mean. <laughs> That was the idea of like the 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 the, the, the Star Wars space station was trickled down uh, uh, justice, right? Like <laughs> we we're gonna trickle everything down. Um, so it, yeah, Aaron's coming back. She may actually walk in during the show. She landed at seven thirty. I got a text. It may may have been no. Did you did you do a little arts and crafts uh, project at home? I did. I did. A, I I I I I uh, yeah. I cut out. <laughs> Uh, welcome home out of letters oh. and hug him from a string. Yeah? Bare minimum. <laughs> right? But I really wanted to be there when, when the dogs saw her because I, I feel like they're, yeah, that, that, that would be, a, that would be YouTubeable. <laughs> That's what's important. I, I, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm a little nervous about like, I, like, I don't know you know, did you speak every day or talk or text? No, because I'm not good on the phone or and FaceTime's weird. Like she gets punished for calling me or FaceTiming me because I'm like I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to be with Aaron. I wouldn't be married to Aaron if 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 text messaging wasn't invented. You know, if I I wouldn't be I wouldn't I wouldn't be anything. I don't think if I if they didn't come up with a technology that allowed me to like, you know, like I don't I just because someone calls you on the phone, especially FaceTime is especially like 
it's just the worst. Like, 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 isn't it the worst of all possible worlds? Because it's like, it's like, like you can't. You in a normal face-to-face conversation, you have the option of minimized eye contact. Like, you can't do that with FaceTime. You can't like look at a George Jetson screen and then just look like away. You have to like lock eyes with a with a deck of card-sized version of your wife and like stare at her. And then, uh, and then be like, like, yeah. And then what did you do? <laughs> and I drank some water. It's not my wife. This is an image of my wife. Okay. And then uh, inevitably, the other person on the other end goes like, "All right," like which 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 means you don't love me. And, I, and I'm always like, like like what what? And they're like what? And I'm like, you, you mean I don't love you? Like what? It's bad. FaceTime is bad for me. So no. And that's all I, I, I don't know. But then on the other hand, like my cat, Fiv, like she's sick. And like, so then like a, like, like a, like a, like an, you know, like a emotionally like kind of stunted person. Like the reason we like animals is because they make a convenient like trough to like, because they can't, you know, you just, so of course I'm like bawling about the cat. I like punched a wall, which I haven't done in 20 years. There's a big hole in the bedroom wall. And I was like, like rolling around on the bed going, ah! I, I recorded myself crying. <laughs> because halfway through it, I was like, this sounds fake. Well, you, 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 you can separate those two parts of your brain that, that well. And God, like you're, you're going through such a weird cry. That, that yeah. If no, because it was weird. Because I haven't done this in 10 years. I don't even remember crying like, like this. Let's see. It's gonna sound like Scorsese. Is this? <laughs> Wait, there's nothing I need to do, right? It'll just come out of the speaker, Grandpa. See, I don't know if it's gonna. The suspense is palpable. I don't hear anything. I must have. Is, done. This, is this a voice memo, or did I do it wrong? Oh. somebody that doesn't cry enough <laughs> yeah. that's why I recorded it I'm like this is because I wanted to talk to my therapist about it I'm like okay this is fucked up like, my, wife, my, my wife's been gone for a month she, when she calls me on the phone she walks away from it feeling unloved I the fucking cat that I've totally neglected. That's why it's dying because I don't. It was incredibly ill when you found it. Like it was already. It was it was FIV positive, but but I'm saying like once we got the dogs, it was like you need to take that feline shit to the curb, girl, friend. I don't know why I paused before friend. I was trying to think of maybe girl Fiv. Like that's her name. 
she's been she's been neglected since the dogs arrived. Like I have not like she's she's been chased out away by the dogs. You know, like she's she's like repelled by the dogs, particularly Harvey. And like I can tell because when I come over, she comes right at me when the dogs are upstairs with you and I'm downstairs. She comes at me and just like she's like I need I need a friend really bad. Right now. And she's yeah. so, she's so bony and scrawny. She spends right a long t- a lot of time outside the front door where the dogs can't get at her. And then like every time you yeah, it's like it's a bummer. And it's like like but I just want to be honest about that. Like I don't want like 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 it's like because the important thing about that is like okay this is not let's not celebrate this as a man's bond between him and his cat. Let's look at this as symptomatic of misappropriated emotional funds, you know, like, and, and, and I, and I shared that with my therapist and I, but I had a really good session based on that. And she said, you know, it's time, it's time for the chapter called Dan doesn't have feelings to come to an end. Uh, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, 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 I, 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 I'm, 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 I know how to breathe. And, uh, uh, I'll learn how to uh, I'll learn how to talk to uh, Aaron about about how much I love her and uh, and uh, kind of spread that peanut butter of feeling across the, the bread, bread of, of life. life. <laughs> Speaking of which, happy Rosh Hashanah! I think that's what Rosh Hashanah means uh, the bread of life, right? Yeah. The light, light, yeah, light, the, 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 there's no greater tragedy than, than the life unleavened. Um, uh, I think uh, famous Jewish cooking, cooking host, uh, <laughs> uh, Emerald Berg, what's uh, said. All right. Well, let's 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 talk to our guest about some autism. Um, his book is called Neurotribes. It's it's truly uh, it's it's the first de- determined and thorough and enlightening um, journalistic investigation of a phenomenon that is still a mystery to everybody. Um, it's a New York Times bestseller. He has flattered us by coming out from San Francisco. Um, his name is Steve Silberman. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Hi, nice to be here. Good. Yeah, nice to be. Are you are you are you are are you going to sit down? He's settling yeah. in. All right. Is that better? Is no, that better? I, but I I sorry that sorry that was off-putting. No, no, no. It's fine. There are no rules here except the ones you make. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm strangely adamant about them. Right? Um, you, now, I, now I feel like I have to say you don't have to sit down. I well, mean, well, Steve, no, what you, no, Steve, what you don't know is Dan, when a guest comes out, he takes the opportunity to sit down himself, and he he doesn't want to oh, be good. he doesn't want to be robbed of that repose. That's great. Right. Well, I was kind of, I guess I was kind of scared or delighted that you were going to launch into like just ten minutes about airline food or something because you were just standing there with the mic, and I was like, it's he's gonna he's gonna do stand up. High chairs slightly scare me. Yeah. Okay, you, get, yeah. you know, one wonders if I'm going to teeter off or something. I, I wish yeah. we could. That That's a good segue into our talk about autism, which uh, because because the the big the big theme in the book is the is the realization, which is ironically realized a lo- long after Hans Asperger said it originally. Um, his 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 feelings on the subject lost to the ages until recently. Um, uh, that that th- this is you know it's less about diagnosis and treatment than it is about realizing that there's there's different kinds of brains and there's a lot of ways we can 
we can make the environment compatible to anybody that we happen to run across. That's true. Uh, basically, in 1930s Vienna, uh, he started seeing these kids in his clinic who were interestingly mischievous. They would steal a bunch of shit to uh, build up their chemistry sets. They would get kicked out of schools because they didn't take the teachers seriously. It was sort of a clinic of last resort. One, for, one kid uh, was... Because there's a typical thing with, especially with mildly autistic people, is uh, obsession with particular areas. And one kid was obsessed with poison and was there because he had stolen cyanide from his school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there were exactly. red flags. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and uh, some of the kids ended up there, like through the court system and stuff. And the thing about this clinic was that it was an amazingly progressive place. Because it was like half clinic, half school. Like kids wouldn't just bring their, uh, or kids wouldn't just get brought there for a diagnosis or whatever. The people who worked in the clinic actually lived with the kids and observed them like tying their shoes in the morning if they could or couldn't. And uh, that's how they learned to recognize autism. And Asperger and his colleagues believe that autism and autistic traits were very common. And in fact, uh, that people with autistic traits had been accelerating the evolution of science, technology, and culture for millennia. And we're already familiar to all of us through the sort of pop culture archetypes of the absent-minded professor. Right. Doctor yeah. Who. Right. Well, that wasn't invented yet, but autistic people would soon <laughs> make sure that it was. <laughs> Is that a character? But I mean, before the before the word Asperger's, which, by the way, it should be noted, Asperger did not. Uh, he didn't discover Asperger syndrome. No, he, he discovered what we now call the autism spectrum. Uh, and was saying in the beginning, which we, yeah, this is a spectrum, and this is like yeah, and and it was later. What was it? The seventies when somebody coined the phrase Asperger syndrome. Yeah, it, it, and that was a marketing term actually, right. because it was a uh, it was an autism diagnosis that get, did not contain the word autism. Uh, and the reason, one of the reasons why it proved to be so popular was that it did not carry the heavy burden of shame and stigma that the word autism carried because parents had been blamed for autism, not by Asperger, right. one might note. By Leo uh, Connor. Leo Connor. The, the, the Edison to Asperger's Tesla in the, there you go. In the, in the discovery <laughs> of autism was a parallel I kept thinking about. because what, what an appropriate parallel. Yeah, because Edison yeah. was the more successful one. He was the more neurotypical one. Uh, and he was, the, he was better at issuing press releases. And he was... He, he was, was American. He, <laughs> and, he, and, I mean, he had two advantages over Asperger. He was, uh, even though he actually was from Eastern Europe too, he lived in America. He worked at Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore. But uh, even better from the perspective of history, he didn't work for Nazis like Hans Asperger <laughs> right. did. Because Hans Asperger's wonderful clinic in the University of Vienna Hospital, well, it happened to be in a country that the Nazis marched into in 1938 to annex for the German fatherland. And so at that point, Asperger's uh, position and his culture became very, very tricky because uh, the Germans, inspired, by the way, by American eugenic scientists, were attempting to basically flush uh, people with hereditary diseases and disorders out of the gene pool. In this a is one of the craziest way. things about this book because it's completely unexpected. Uh, there's probably whole entire books written about this stuff, but they're probably 
they probably tend towards conspiracy uh, uh, dramas and things like this. But the cold hard facts are that are that the things that Hitler's reading while he's in jail before he writes Mein Kampf are coming from our side of the Atlantic. Exactly, we, we were becoming obsessed with eugenics. Yeah, and and, to, and unashamed of them because they didn't have the current stigma because there weren't no Hitler yet. Uh, it, exactly. They, they, you, you, you describe right. a conference where the, the, you know, it's, it's like the world's fair of eugenics. Yeah, exactly. And there, by the way, there was a slogan in use at that conference, which was echoed in Orphan Black recently. The self-direction of human evolution, that creepy leaky guy. That was actually a real slogan from the American eugenics movement. And they had like uh, the ideal paragon of civilization was this white athlete from harvard like they right. had like statues oh they had yeah, they had composites made of of the perfect man right which were based on the 10 handsomest guys from harvard or right, something exa- you know, like, right exactly like really uh it, 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 and it was you know and there were and there were there was some of the speeches on the you know some of the panels being done there included titles like the the Jewish problem, right? Exactly. Um, and it was and the Negro problem, and the Negro yeah. pro- and like right. all kinds of stuff about Negroes and 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 what are they and what do they want? Uh, wh- why are they hanging around all of a sudden? Um, the the it, it was it was bone chilling and it was completely unexpected because here I am uh, tucking into a book about about uh, Temple Grandin, but I'm seeing like this crazy like Alan Moore like uh, it feels like an alternate history where there should be zeppelins in the sky. Well, that, that was the thing, man. It's like. You know, there have been a million books written about Asperger syndrome or autism or whatever, but they've usually looked at autism through a strictly medical lens. And there's actually been very, very little written about Asperger in his clinic. And I thought, like, why hasn't anyone ever pulled the camera back to see, like, the burning Jewish storefronts and, you know... uh, Youth euthanasia going on. Well, that's the irony the is, that, is that is that what the you know history is written by the winners and the the myth that favors us is that uh, here it was it was the nineteen twenties and late ladies loved short hair and sitting on flagpoles. Um, yeah, right. FDR had a plan for the d- 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 kaleidoscope and right, right. <laughs> meanwhile in Europe a growing menace. Right. Adolf Hitler invents anti-Semitism yeah, and right. slowly somehow manages to convince half of the planet that it's a Great idea, um, and and we sort of you know, we, but the, the 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 absolute ugly truth of it is that, and there is an uplifting uh, aspect to it, an uplifting irony to the fact that we were flirting with it in open air, right. inviting Jewish physicians to a conference. To hear talk about the Jewish problem, they weren't right. they weren't banned from the thing. It was like let's just be anti-Semitic just because it's fashionable. You right. can't do anything about it, Doctor Rosen. Like, like, right, and, right. Do you want to be a doctor or not? Sure, it couldn't hurt. Uh, and and uh, right. it's like, well, why do you talk like that? That's the title of my next conference. What, what kind exactly. of? Why are you so Jewy? Um, <laughs> and, and he's like, oh, f- uh, fair enough. Um, uh, Shana Tovad. <laughs> <laughs> um, the and it's the the shadow that we. Cast by being allowed yep. to talk about it yep. by, by by publishing books about it by 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 the 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 triple irony of of the euphemism of the word eugenics, right. um, uh, which it, means the good birth, right? Yeah. It, it, it 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 the fact that 
it took what happened then for everyone to be shamed into a proper uh, historical perspective is it's it's simultaneously totally cynical but also kind of like well good that's what you get like 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 like, like that's like like this is this is language is thought and uh and and thought is deed and you can't just walk around seething with hatred and be polite about it um that is going to end up being the same as like actual bad physical things happening right and and also that at some point the nazis must have been like why are the americans objecting to this we are just putting their theories into yeah. practice they must have absolutely <laughs> like 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 Vonnegut used to muse like they must have thought for a while like they could flip a coin like wh- which side's america going to come in on right. because we were certainly making money from both sides selling oil and bullets and things you know like right. before we got into the war it was like you know, so if, yeah, there, I'm sure there were rooms in the in Nazi headquarters where they were like, you know what, there's still a good 40% chance when they finally come come in. Right. Oh, guys, uh, Pearl Harbor. Ah, fuck. Right. Oh, they're not going to be able to spin that one. Um, right. I guess they're, are we still, yeah, access of evil. <laughs> Why did we do that? What have we gotten? Free sushi. It's bad by the time it gets here. It's 1939. <laughs> The free sushi that's a good way to die um, uh, anyways so but 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 that, that that's a that's a huge uh, a huge weird side note but a ama- but you had to do it you had to you had to sh- reshine like long lost light on that fact because asperger uh um that it seems to be one of the big answers to the question why was this all so complicated and and arduous why is something that's being discovered way back then still in the 70s being treated with cattle prods and part of the answer is because asperger is just like bound to you know there's pictures of him and there's swastikas somewhere in the picture right but the story is worthy of a you know a, a robert de niro movie or something like i mean the guy was a hero he didn't he didn't like no Nazis. well he was a complex hero i mean we have no idea you know he probably had to make some concessions that we don't know about well, to uh, not have, have his head chopped off basically you don't, um, you don't you don't you don't mention any of those in your book but i mean you paint a picture of a guy who by virtue of his love of these children is absolutely horrified by the idea and he's, he's sort of some of the ironic c- concessions dan could you use the word ironic more tonight um <laughs> the so so what, what one of the one of the one of the stranger and more poetic concessions that he makes that you're talking about is that he he tries to he, he tries to make a case for these kids continuing to get treatment because they'll make good code breakers one day. Yeah, exactly. And if you think about it, with Alan Turing, mm-hmm. we, in a sense, we use the Aspergian brain to break uh, the German codes. But they were too busy killing the children that carried those genes to uh, to make use of the, of those talents the children that invented as they as they entered adulthood if they were time and time again what we're seeing is like you know it's a, we 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 on one hand we have to eschew the myth i don't think anyone suffers from this myth anymore the idea that every single person with autism has some kind of hidden superpower like an x-man but the but it is true time and time again that through through environmental understanding 
doing the equivalent of a ramp for if, if someone has bound yeah, to a exactly. chair, right. um, uh, which but in, in, in this case involves sort of opening your own mind, changing your own time scale, um, uh, you, that, that those, the, the people that suffer from childhood autism that are raised in that patient of an environment, which is no easy thing in a capitalist world, um, though they, they do flourish. They do learn how to communicate in their own time. And to the extent that there is disparity between the way they communicate the thoughts in their heads and mainstream society, they, they have always been the, 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 it's, it's not an exaggeration to say that they are progressing our society. Right. And one reason why we didn't know how cool autistic people could be for a couple of decades was that they were put in institutions because the guy who took credit for discovering autism, who was not Hans Asperger, but this guy, Leo Connor, uh, said that even the special talents of his kids, like this kid could recognize 18 symphonies before he turned two. He could ident correctly identify 18 symphonies. But Connor, instead of saying, oh, this is really cool, this is a specialized form of intelligence, which, which is what Asperger said. He called it autistic intelligence. But Connor said, oh, no, no, these kids are just unloved. Their parents are refrigerator mothers and overambitious fathers. So the treatment is to remove the child and put them in an institution and have their family pictures taken out of the family albums right. quietly and never mentioned again. This is the, and that, so. Yeah, one of the most chilling things is like pre, pre before the rise of the, you know, between World War One and World War Two, there's a German doctor who sends out a questionnaire. So, so we're still in a time when if you're born with what we now call autism, you're called feeble-minded. Um, you're 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 shuttled into a into a, into an institutional world, and you're a ward of the state, and you're a burden on the parents emotionally and financially. And this doctor sends out this questionnaire that says to the men of the household, uh, specifically, uh, and, and, and says, uh, um, how would you feel about an, an artificial shortening of your, your child's life to the extent that they're unable to uh, live with their disability? Asking these sort of leading questions about euthanasia. And not only was the response overwhelmingly, oh, absolutely, but with an extra order of macabre fries, that is, I wish, I wish, however, that you just wouldn't ask. Right, exactly. I wish just don't tell me I about wish it. you'd just kill the kid and tell me it was natural causes. That would be, if you're, if you're looking for what I'd like to order from this menu. Um, and, and we have to, you know... It's dark shit. We don't have to sympathize, but we have to, we have to, we have to, we have to remember. I don't know. We have to. What, what the fuck do we have to remember, Dan? Well, Shut up. It's 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 the world was ignorant, and it was fucking. The poor people were 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 held responsible for their their kids' disabilities, and they were like they were they were they were were never a ticket to increase social standing. You know, I have an right. autistic kid. Didn't mean, uh, oh, maybe I should get a promotion at work. And also, and also, at some point, uh, they were being bombarded by propaganda that such children were a burden on the state and they would literally have pictures of these sort of drooling maniacs from asylums and say you know, 50 million Reich marks a year etc and, and so and they started doing it like fairly publicly too. Like they didn't really hide it and they realized that was such bad PR like nobody's going to really sign off on that like even the hardest you know like, like Nazi like you know like household is not going to really sign off on the killing of German children you know, even if they are mentally disabled or whatever, and so then they just put it way on the on the you know on the secrets. Well, right, and in fact, I mean, something that I talk about in the book is that uh, the Germans really used 
the killing of disabled children and adults as a practice run for killing the Jews. Right. That's how they figured out how to do, oh, we can put the trains here and move the bodies here. Yeah, because the first one, the, the gas van, the thing that they would do, right. where they put a pipe through the exhaust pipe of a van, that, right. that was for uh, euthanasia. And stuff. Right, right. They had different and, techniques. They would, they, would, they would slowly feed them less. That's, that's a good Yes, the, 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 the specialist <laughs> diet, yes. And, uh, and you know... Word got out, even though it was supposed to be a secret uh, project. So, like, old people would say, when the feeble-minded are gone, we will be the next to go. And, you know, children would run away from these buses, even though they weren't supposed to know what they were for. Right. When they liberated, I don't know if it was the Russians or the Americans, when we were, we were closing in on Berlin at the end of the war, and they liberated one of the camps, and uh, they found loads of twins. Oh, wow. all, almost all the survivors were these ch- uh, twin children because they were doing lots of tests on on twins and genetics. Wow. About like, can we, can we alter one, not the other? Like we can find a way to fine tune making, you know, perfect little Aryan children. Right. And, and they use the euthanasia program to do the kinds of esoteric medical experiments that would have been impossible in cases where the patient was expected to live. Basically. What did you, what did you, what, what did you find as you're, as you're delving into that darkness, you're reading, so many books, letters, you know, you're, 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 you're knee deep in that world. So did you come away with it with an impression about what our obsession with eugenics was? Was it a genuine, was it face value of fear that we were going to mongrelize ourselves into extinction? Or was it, was it just a, uh, uh, just a completely dishonest? Like, do, do you know what? Here's the deal. Like in the, while I was writing that chapter, I saw an ad from some startup dude who was uh, basically selling some kind of new genomic scanning technology. And he was talking about things like autism and ADHD and dyslexia as like glitches in the human program. And, you know, we can finally fine tune, you know, our own code Mm -hmm. so that we can eliminate these glitches. It was sort of like that's exactly what eugenics came out of. The notion that we can perfect humanity by eliminating difference. But there's a, I mean, and 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 again, I'll use the word irony, but uh, really <laughs> fittingly, because the 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 neurotypicals that are the villains in this story, if there are any, these neurotypicals. Just define are, that word for me. What does that mean? It's exactly? Just a, you know, non-autistic people. Okay. And that's a word invented by autistic people. And so it was, it was sort of a hack because it was a wonderful word, because instead of always being medicalized by us. That allowed them to medicalize us. Uh, awesome. It was inve- it was invented on the internet in the late nineties. Really? So they yeah. seem to have a capacity for racism, which is not founded on logic. <laughs> like, like Who, autistic people? No, the neurotypical. Oh, neurotypicals. Yeah. Which, but the, the, the isn't that isn't that a little strange? I kept I kept I kept waiting to hear hear stories about you know I, Hans Asperger. Like like yeah, he was surrounded by Nazis and completely incentivized to to toe the line to the point where. You're cautiously assuming that if we saw every moment of his life, we probably would cluck our tongues because he, he, he maybe we he, probably would. Um, and, and, and 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 but but he, he uh, like the weird thing is that we have this tribe of uh, of cognitively variant people um, who, because of their seclusion, because they 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 tend to propel us societally towards things like ham radio, which which is we'll, we'll you know talk about that advent in a second, but how, how fascinating it is how it just absolutely is 
that autistic people have been trying to make the internet since before there was internet exactly. equipment laying around. That is exactly they, true. You know, and and yeah. that we all we all love that world. We all love emoticons. We right. all love uh, Facebook. We all right. love... But it, the, 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 in no uncertain terms, it's not because you've done the research now, so it may have been tacky before reading this book to say, yeah, autistic people, they, they invented the internet. Autistic people invented the computer languages that we use. And autistic people invented that stuff. Maybe that would have been something that... I, but it's clear from your book i mean it is it really it's is a, it's, a, it's a general fact that you can say that's the thing before i wrote this book i wrote for 15 years for wired magazine and so people were constantly saying like oh he's on the spectrum oh bill gates he's on the spectrum steve jobs on the spectrum and so i actually went to look to figure out what the history was like what were these people who you would now say would be super geeks on the spectrum what were they doing before there was an internet and they were talking to each other through morse code over ham radio because there was no facial signals to parse. Um, you could obsess about your favorite technology and really get rewarded for it. You could leave your old bullied, geeky, nerdly identity behind and become like this amazing person on the internet with your, or not the internet, ham radio, with your call letters. And so it, it was a strict meritocracy like programming is. Mm -hmm. So it didn't matter if you were a total dork, like if you could do the shit, you were cool. And um, the, the ham radio community and also the science fiction fandom community were both organized by the same guy who I write about in, in the book named Hugo Gernsback, who almost certainly had Asperger's syndrome. And by the way, I do want to say, I'm not just diagnosing people willy-nilly. Like, if I say in the book that somebody probably had Asperger's syndrome, there's always a higher authority involved, like Oliver Sacks or... Uh, in this case, it's Hugo Gernsback's biographer, Gary Westfall, believed he was Aspergian. Anyway, he was a very weird guy, but he had a genius idea, which was to make um, home electronics available to hobbyists rather than just scientists. In other words, really cool kids. Like they could order stuff from his mail order catalog, put it together, and become a ham radio operator. And in those catalogs, there's pictures of nerdy kids. Exactly. And now, but he kind of, and he sort of developed this culture that when you look back at the 50s, you're like, oh, the, the, the whole Comic Con, like everything kind of, like all of a sudden comes together. It all snaps together. The, the, the culture of, Fandom, the exactly. culture of, of, of and overlapping with with nerdiness, the our consumption of pop culture. There's always been a fascination with science fiction associated with uh, with people on the spectrum, and it it's it's because of the, the the ability to logically consume it. The fact that you're talking about world worlds built from scratch, which can yep, make more exactly. sense than the confusing worlds described in Catcher in the Rye, which is right. a great Gatsby. It's like what right. if, I, I guess he was rich. What am I learning from this right, book? Right, um, and, and where it's like you know Zeep Zanflorb landed in his space pod and stepped right. out it's like I can access every aspect of this and I can you know the, 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 the first fanzines and in fact the word fandom the concept of fanaticism fan groups and things that all came out of the ham radio culture which was connected to this this science fiction pulp, 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 pulp. culture. Yep, exactly. Um, com comic books and catalogs where you could buy chemistry kits and like the, yeah, and it was all started by, you know, a guy who clearly wanted to create his own world where. Yeah, and not only that, but he was, his best bud was Nikola Tesla. Right. So Nik Nikola Tesla had the chops to design that future world. Do you have, can you, that's why I wanted you to bring your book up because that's one of the passages I, I was hear. hoping you could, there's two passages I was, I don't know if you can like willy nilly like, like page them up, but the, one of them is Tesla talking about the future. 
describing, uh, um, you know, what the world is going to be like. Um, do you put Tesla on the spectrum? Um, he's, he wasn't neurotypical. I actually don't retrodiagnose him, but he had many, many autistic traits. He was, like, fascinated with glittering things, and um, he was very, very honest. So, like, when his two aunts asked him, who was more attractive? He said something like, "Well, you're not you're not quite as ugly as the other." Uh, so he had that Aspergian utter frankness. Yeah. I, 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 well, after you, I have a question, but maybe we'll do it after you read this passage. Uh, if I can find it, that is. Um, maybe I can. Yeah, I can talk about. <laughs> yeah, here it is. I got it. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Quote: When wireless, meaning ha uh, ham radio, when wireless is perfectly applied. The whole earth will be converted into a huge brain, Tesla told an interviewer in 1926. We shall be able to communicate with one another instantly, irrespective of distance. Not only this, but through television and telephony, we shall see and hear one another as perfectly as though we were face-to-face, -face, despite intervening distances of thousands of miles. FaceTime. Exactly. <laughs> and the instruments through which we shall be able to do this will be amazingly simple compared with our present telephone. A man will be able to carry one in his vest pocket. We shall be able to witness and hear events. The inauguration of a president, the playing of a World Series game, the havoc of an earthquake, or the terror of a battle, just as though we were present. Wow. This what? is 1926, people. I mean, on one hand, it seems like a, a no-brainer, but yeah, kind of, that's because we're on a podcast. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, Tesla, exactly. Tesla again, it's like Tesla and Asperger, both not probably not neurotypical, and their rivals, their successful trademarking, like, dominant uh, guys who, who, who popular, popular fringe culture, uh, oxymoron, uh, uh, has it that, that Edison, you know, there's backward things about our current society that are that are that are hard baked into it because Tesla's like more uh, 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 populist, empowering. I don't know uh, his 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 the, the, the going back to AC versus DC and all you know just Edison's proficiency for trademarking and patenting um, and his desire for hegemony like 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 like, like conquering Tesla's reclusive fanatical um, desire for everything to make sense. Right. And one of Asperger's autistic traits was that he was able to resist peer pressure. Uh, so, you know, while everybody else around him was thinking in terms of eliminating difference, he said something like, uh, that which is different from the norm is not necessarily inferior. Right. Which was a very un-Nazi-like thing to say. Because there's a skepticism. So that's what I, what I was saying before. My, my train of thought got, got, got uh, remarkably uh, tangentialized. I, uh, the, uh, the, the, this idea that the, like, it's the neurotypical of the world who are, have, have to, seem to have a gift for politics, racism, <laughs> war. Seduction. Uh, charm, I guess, yeah. yeah. Diplomacy. Yeah. Uh, white, li white lies, flattery. Yeah, fashion, uh, right. hygiene. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, like, like. They, what, I'm, sitting, I'm sitting right here again. <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 the, 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 but the, the weird thing about it is, 
these are all like like it's it's these are all uh, things that for if, if an autistic kid wants to memorize a map of Los Angeles, you know, my, my friend Chris McKenna has a couple of of autistic loved ones in his family, and like, like describing the, the their their one of their obsession with like road maps and things, and like just every time he meets somebody, he asks them where are they coming from and where are they going, and then he ha and then that's his conversation is that. Instead of small talk, he, he, he can tell them about a route to, to take next time they drive. Uh, can I just jump in and tell a little anecdote? Um, I went to an autistic retreat, so I was one of the very few neurotypical people with like about 70 autistic people of all ages. And uh, the second day that I was there, I went up to a guy who I thought was cool the night before, and I said, hey man, how'd you sleep? And he said, why? It was, like an it was like an excellent question. And I realized like how much fucking energy I put into like reputation management. Like every time I walk into a room, right. hi, how'd you sleep? I'm charming. You know, it's like, like right. wow. You know, I mean, I have to share this because it's so like, and I have no idea if the person I'm talking about is, I'm not certainly not qualified to diagnose him as anything, but, but there's such a, I, I had an encounter like that where I went up to somebody at a party and I said, I stood next to him and I was like, I was like, this guy, he gets picked on by people. I'm gonna. I, I love him. Uh, like I'm an outcast. I'm gonna. I'm gonna log some hours here. I'm gonna be a, a wonderful guy. And like, 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 let's. And, and like, I'm gonna talk to him. Not, not, not cool people. And uh, and so I stand next to him and I look around the party and go, like, Wow, looks like everybody's here. <laughs> and, 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 and he and he and he's like just spent the next eight minutes uh, in a monologue about how I'm like like well I didn't get the uh, list of people that should be here I wouldn't be able to compare the thing it was it was maddening because in my mind I was thinking you little prick. <laughs> I'm I'm stupid here, you know, like, 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 and it's like that happens on a cellular level all the time in in interactions. But like, what what's at the core of it, of course, when you take a step back from it, is like, like you said, like, why am I why am I asking how someone slept? What is it? Yeah, like, we could have we could have we could have spent that time inventing something. <laughs> right, right. I, I love the uh, the this early science fiction fandom nickname for neurotypicals was the mundanes, uh, ah. and so it's like. Those are the people who think they rule the world. Steve, actually, the mugwumps. How easy is it to go back and reverse diagnose people? Like, I mean, you, you, like, is, are there certain like? Can you look back at Dostoevsky or Chaucer or these people? Like, or, or for, for instance, like, can, is, are, are there is there a way to kind of definitively say, or you can kind of guess and it's do? Yeah, well, some people are much more um, promiscuous about their retro diagnosing than I am. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm a science writer. So I have to be strict. Right. And is there so, an etiquette? That's another thing. Like when I did, I, I was in Wired and I did that interview where I, I told the guy at the end of the interview, I was like, by the way, and I took a quiz online and it's like, maybe I'm, I don't know that. And then I like seeing it in print, I'm like, so tacky. God. Like, and where there's tackiness, there must be etiquette. Is there a guiding principle for this? No, <laughs> I mean, some people seriously self-diagnose and, you know, they're, I believe it's called uh, self-diagnosed peer-supported in the autistic <laughs> community. So it's like basically, if your peer, you know, if your allegedly autistic peers say, "Yes, you are like us," then it's cool, you know. Right. I, um, if you just declare yourself autistic, and there's no sort of no one to gauge yourself against, it's not as cool. Right. But the thing that I'll say is, I mean, people often say to me, "Don't you think we're just diagnosing weird kids too much?" You know, I don't actually believe that because the Virtually everyone who I've met who had an official diagnosis 
really did need like you know special forms of support and whatever and had, had a hard time passing among the mundane yeah well you um, and you, and you, you uh, in the beginning of your book you talk about in your introduction talking about the the emergence of of the concept of neurodiversity which right. is simply to say that uh, ADHD, dyslexia, all of these things, which by the way, all of my friends, so they're like Justin Roiland, definitely ADHD, uh, co-creator of this cartoon I made, like 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 Joel McHale, dyslexic, Rob Schraub, dyslexic, like probably ADD too, like every those 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 letters kind of like if you live in Los Angeles and you make stuff, you're always like and and the, the refreshing thing about your book is that you don't have to now think uh, am I being tacky and fashionable by diagnosing it's just well these are traits these are these are autistic traits you know right. like, like like whatever which are not rare which are shared as by noon. yeah right and i mean when i first came across your community here um i thought that it was kind of like looking at broad swaths of the spectrum through the other end of the telescope like most people look at you know autism only through the medical end of the telescope you know but if you look at it through the cultural, like that's why I called my book Neuro Tribes instead of like some word related to disorder. Like I don't claim to know what the order of the universe should be, so I avoid the word disorder. Um, but it's there are certainly. And if you just wanted to sell books, you would have called it titties. There you go. <laughs> titties inside. Neuro titties. <laughs> it's a pop up book. Someone's buying that domain name right now. I, yeah. wow. I would bet you anything it already exists. Um, but you're, I mean, I think, I think I'm cutting you off to, to, to talk about what you were trying to talk about, which is that you're, you describe yourself as profoundly neurotypical. I am. You, uh, you're, you're, um, you're very, very outgoing, friendly, and, and you admire, you're a fan of the autistic community uh, as, as I also am. In your case, it's, it's not so much out of a sense of kinship. It's almost like a sort of like sibling kind of. Yeah. You 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 actually admire the things uh, that you the the qualities that you do not have. Exactly. Great minds do not necessarily think alike. And so you've been a messenger. I mean, your book that you've written, you've surely noticed that the autistic community is. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong or right about this because I just I, that's how I found your book because I just check in with the autistic community because I find them amazing and fascinating and especially in the, in regards to their conflict with groups like Autism Speaks um, and the ironies that ensue um, the the uh, the and, and and you know I've read I've read more than one um, essay by an autistic adult. You know, sort of celebrating and and also rolling their eyes at the fact that it took a neurotypical to be the Marco Polo of autism's China. <laughs> it's like, That's true. Now, now these parents are listening. You know, that won't listen to us because a neurotypical wrote a New York Times bestseller. Right, right. Well, um, at my book launch, I was very, very happy to see we had a party in the Haight Ashbury in San Francisco, where I live, and uh, I was very, very happy to see actually autistic people in the audience. Um, because usually there's like this huge divide between like the autism speaks parents and the clinicians and the autistic people. But kind of everybody was in the same room there. And what was really great was um, at some point in the Q&A afterwards, somebody asked me like, what do you think the virtues of getting a diagnosis in midlife are? And so while I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking like, who the fuck? I'm not supposed to answer that question. <laughs> we have experts here. So, you know, I asked if there was anybody in the autistic 
section, sort of, they were sitting together, uh, wanted, to answer the, wanted to answer the question. And this woman stood up and she said, getting a diagnosis in midlife was like finding the Rosetta Stone to myself. I was like, holy fuck. Is there, I, is, I couldn't have come up with is, that. Is there a lot of... <laughs> Is there a lot of tribal pride among aut- aut- autistics? Well, there is now, but that's after decades of like being brutalized and exterminated, and you know, I mean, yeah. It's, I, I, it, I mean, are, are there groups of uh, like autistic people like playing World of Warcraft in a room right now? Gone the fucking mundane. Called me up earlier, and like, 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 is it fun for them to rib us about being neurotypicals? And, sure, yeah, definitely. In forums, and, 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 and not only that, like one of the first things that I figured out by going to that autistic retreat was that most of the clinical stereotypes about autistic people were completely wrong. Like there's this belief that autistic people like lack a sense of irony, don't get satire, and they don't really have a sense of humor. And uh, so this one autistic guy who had just been appointed to the National Council on Disability, Ari Niemann of the Autistic Self-Advocacy Network, was introduced to the group. And uh, so they were doing flapaws, which is it's like turning this stigmatized behavior into a symbol of celebration. And so from the back, this girl Flat said, boss. yeah, for, it was nice because it also doesn't create this startling burst of sound that freaks them out, you know. So from the back of the room, this young woman said, we love you, Ari, if we were capable of feeling such an emotion. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, the, I mean, well, yeah, the, the, the myth of the no feeling thing, I think that's, that simply comes from the fact that, that there's this weird skepticism. And I keep coming back to this, this thing. I never get to finish this thought because I don't really know what this thought is. And it's something to do with the fact that, like, well, if you want to be systemic about life, um, uh, like the actual Spock, if he was a real alien being that thought logically about things, would he or would he not be in favor of eugenics? Like, 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 because when you apply cold, this concept of the cold hard logic, and he's a science, he's a he's a human calculator, but obviously not. Like, like that, that, not. It's not. There's more to it than that. There's one other passage that, if you can find it, it would be earlier yeah. in your book. It's about that guy, that guy, the 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 the, the Tesla of chemistry, who uh, Henry Cavendish. Henry Cavendish. Yeah. Yeah. My 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 book. Uh, opens unexpectedly about 200 years ago um, because that allowed me to describe a very autistic person before there were these layers of clinical cliches. Yeah. So I have the reactions of the other people around him who had no idea what to make of his fascinating peculiarities or whatever. And he was a guy who took the same walk at the same time every night, wore the same clothes every day. When they would wear out, he would tell his tailor to make an identical outfit. He ate the same dish at every meal, leg of mutton. Um, there was a there was a chambermaid who 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 surprised him on the steps with a broom, and so he ordered a new set of steps exactly uh, built, so that it wouldn't that would happen, never again. happen again. That's not the same cold hard logic that goes into genocide, right? Or you know, you, you, there, there's no laziness there, right? <laughs> there's uh, he he practically invented science. Like he was he weigh he he measured the density of the earth in a shack in his backyard. He figured out how to do it with pendulums. And it was like the best estimate of the density of the earth for a hundred years or whatever. And uh, he, he didn't just do science, he invented fields of science. And yet, uh, he was completely immobilized practically at parties. Like He would just stand off to the side, listening, looking away. And that was something that Asperger picked up on. Like, 
you know, Connor was like, they failed to make eye contact, you know. But Asperger was like, no, actually, they're learning really a lot about the world. They're just not looking at you. Right. Because looking at you is actually overloading their senses. And there was a there was a colleague who described him. Do you remember the light metaphor? The the white light. Oh, a cold, right, a cold light which warms nothing. Yeah. Yes. Do you, you, right. You, 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 you uh, don't suppose uh, you could find that? I'll just use you as a Google engine. <laughs> Say. Um, but um, have you been traveling all over the uh, all over the country, world, uh, doing readings and selling this? Well, uh, this just came out like two and a half weeks ago. Uh, so uh, it like hopped on the bestseller list. Um, so that's good. Congratulations. But don't we need different words for things like compassion in a world where the people who have, who have been responsible for uh, creating a, a more Roddenberry-like world um, are a, accused of, uh, are describable as not having it, uh, and yet the people who have been trying to cure them in childhood uh, are people who are cattle prodding them. Right, right. The people who supposedly have the empathy that these people lack are the people sticking cattle prods on I feel them. like there's a yeah. word we're missing in the English language that maybe an autistic person could invent exactly. right. for us um, so that well, we can uh, stop making that, that, that... There's a distinction we're making that's not 100% accurate about whether they're feeling things. That, yeah, that's true. And the great thing is that once the Internet was finally invented, and I talk about how uh, a, a very autistic person helped invent the first social network that was open to the public, actually this guy lee felsenstein but anyway the internet gave a place to autistic people where they could talk to each other rather than just talking to clinicians so instead of being isolated patients brought there by their parents um they could just talk to each other and one of the first things they figured out was that autism persists into adulthood like believe it or not this is one of the things that most people forget but up until the 70s or 80s really the 80s the diagnosis was not really available to adults or even teenagers in America. And so people say, why are the rates of diagnosis going up? One reason is that uh, teenagers and adults could not get the diagnosis until the 80s and 90s. And that was one thing that Asperger syndrome was good for. Was it's that, simply like, yeah, it's the Wendy's and Burger King of, of, right. of uh, which is neither a good thing or a bad thing. It's like we, we've developed since the early 80s systems that are now available to clinicians to diagnose Autism. Right. And, and so the diagnosis just went through the roof. And also, another thing that people, I would say, underappreciate generally, even, even some autistic people, is Rain Man. Like, people think, oh, what a cliche. Dustin Hoffman, Raymond Babbitt with the cards and the toothpicks, whatever. But actually, that film was completely revolutionary because even people who had been in autism circles for decades had never seen an autistic adult, on, certainly on screen, ever. And so Raymond Babbitt made autism recognizable to teachers, to parents, to autistic people themselves, to clinicians. And so that was one of the sort of elements of the perfect storm of autism awareness that created the apparent epidemic. Uh, Steve, I, I know I'm totally ignorant about autism, but is it a, is it a strictly neurological thing? Is, is, it, is it a developmental thing in the brain? Yes, although we still don't have a, bio, a biomarker for it. So there are no blood tests for autism. There are no brain scans for autism. Like you can't... But can you, can you take autistic... Uh, like can, you, can you scan brains and, and see similarities in autistic brains or no? Uh, well, that's the subject of much debate. But the problem is that every six months another study comes out. It's too much white matter. It's too little white matter. It's too much connectivity. It's too little connectivity. 
Right. You know, it's it's like there are all these conflicting studies it's, about what the biomarkers of autism are. It's certainly hereditary, and that was one of the interesting aspects. Yes, it's aspect. certainly hereditary. So on one hand, you have a spike in diagnosis, because that's, I suppose, the biggest question that your book would need to answer that someone would come to is, what's going on with this autism right. epidemic, um, uh, and which you get right to uh, in the in the opening of the book, um, and, and, and slowly answer throughout right. the book. And it seems to be, correct me if I'm wrong, it, the two biggest factors are the, what we just talked about: the diet, the increase, the increased the widening availability of the, of the right. diagnosis, and but you hint at early in the book this this odd like this it, it's an engineer's disease that it's it's that that people that it, it does seem hereditary and that our modern world created by autistics um, our our Jetson world uh, that we all love that that we all fantasize about in science fiction that autistics make a reality by actually thinking outside the actual box um that 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 world in in a in a crazy like poetic uh, uh fairy tale makes it possible basically for engineers to fuck more Exactly. Uh, that, that, right. that, that, that people who used to be defined by their virginity are now able to hook up. Well, wait, Dan, Dan, you were saying yesterday, I don't know if it was from Steve's book or not, that, uh, that Silicon Valley is seeing a big rise of like autistic like, birth rate or something like that? Or? Well, that, that was the subject of my article, The Geek Syndrome, in uh, 2001. And yes, that's interesting, but... Um, and that might be happening. It's Geneticists call it assortative mating, which is basically when people who are carrying... Uh, traits for a certain condition get together, there's more of a chance that the, that their kid will have the condition. And that's how I first got into autism, because I'm not a parent, I'm not a relative. I now have an autistic trans nephew, I will say. Um, but uh, I got into it because I was on a boat with 100 computer programmers, and um, towards the end of this cruise in Alaska, I asked this big programmer guy, Larry Wall, if I could come to interview him at his house. And I noticed that um, he had customized his house, like he had turned the buzzer on his clothes dryer to a light, so it was not so startling and annoying. And um, he said, yeah, you can come to my house, but I should tell you, we have a profoundly autistic daughter. And then, uh, like six months later, I was writing about another family in Silicon Valley, can I come to your house? The woman said, yeah, by the way, we have an autistic daughter. I thought, hmm, that's odd. And the next day I was in a cafe in San Francisco telling that exact story to a friend of mine. And this woman at the next table said, oh, my God, do you realize what's going on? There's an epidemic of autism in Silicon Valley. And so, like, the hairs on the back of my neck went up, you know. And that turned out to be, like, a doorway through which I stepped into the next, you know, 15 years of my life. And this book is an attempt to get right what I sort of bunted on in the geek syndrome. Because, yes, a sort of mating is fascinating. All these Dungeons and Dragons people getting together <laughs> by talking through screens. Finding their way through dungeons. <laughs> right, exactly. With increasing efficiency. Uh, right, right. <laughs> so, used to be a map on a graph paper. Now you can like use a right. computer to get through that dungeon. Right. And so that's interesting. But why are autism rates also going up in rural Alaska, for instance? You know, might be Dungeons and Dragons there too. But anyway, so this was my effort to get right what I had sort of wimped out on in Geek Syndrome. Yeah, and it took it, me five years. It could be a whole. I mean, it gets into a whole area of like, what is the nature of evolution? Why does a sable fox? Uh, why does its fur get uh, non-valuable within one? You know, what is 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 everything operating on a pure Darwinian mutation engine, or do we? 
do we store you know what is their feedback going into dna are we therefore expressing our own evolution through increased uh, incidence of 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 a more of, of of a disease quote unquote disease more compatible with with an emerging world and also more causal of it right <laughs> um, that was very well said in, I must in, say. increased skepticism of pig-headed politicians yeah. increased um uh desire to think laterally increased need to to do to create a world that is not an assault on the senses yeah. um is i mean is our species surviving the same as those goddamn giraffes with their long necks um, well, one of my fa- one of my favorite moments in in the book and in autism history is when asked Asperger asks a kid in his clinic if he's religious, and he says, I don't like to say I'm not religious. I just don't have any proof of God. <laughs> and I feel like he was like, you know, a lot of people are like that now. Right. <laughs> you know. Uh, do you yeah. foresee a showdown between uh, the mundanes and the autism? <laughs> yeah, the, uh, autism <laughs> did you see a great apocalypse coming down the road? <laughs> there's, there's a continuous showdown. We, you know, we all have to fight the good fight. As, as, for, as foretold in Quadrophenia, is that the, exactly. uh, we are the mods. Um, the, 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 uh, are, are, do you mind? I just think yeah. like, like it might be a. That beautiful. Oh, that beautiful. It's a, it's a colleague describing this. If I can find it. The two, you know, your two hundred year old retro diagnosis of this guy who, who, time and time again. I mean, he he discovered argon, you know, before the guy that's credited with discovering argon. This is Cavendish. He, yeah, um, and 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 it was it one of the most. Like, 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 just eloquent ways of describing what the guy didn't know he was describing an autistic person. Um, it, it, it just came from a came it. from a colleague, and I thought yeah. it was so interesting the distinction between different kinds of light. The most probing glimpse into the soul of this elusive genius, Henry Cavendish, was provided by the chemist George Wilson, who wrote the fr- first full length biography of Cavendish in 1851, etc. Uh, he painted Cavendish's emotional life as a series of negations. He did not love. He did not hate. He did not hope. He did not fear. His brain seems to have been but a calculating engine. He was not a poet, a priest, or a prophet, but only a cold, clear intelligence, raying down pure white light, which brightened everything on which it fell, but warmed nothing. <laughs> wow. I like it. And it's 9-11. Another cold... Uh, Light that warmed nothing. Uh, uh, well, I, I, I uh, yeah, I, 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 we flew you out from San Francisco. I, is there one? There's a, there's a, like, 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 I, like, do you? Because you describe yourself as the, the, the prototypical neurotypical. Use you, you were, you were, except I'm secretly shy. Don't forget that part. Right, but and then, yeah. and then you talked about. You said you were married to a fellow that is a uh, like, yeah, like very more autistic. autistic traits. Well. He has more artistic traits than I do. Let's and I thought, I thought in my head, as a as a as a hammy, tacky uh, host, I was thinking like, is there is there a, a way to weave these things? If you're because uh, I, I I was like ah, as a gay journalist. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Is there is there a did you ever find yourself looking through that lens as your as your well? Here, you know, here, this here. is a civil rights movement that I'm happening among autistic well, people. Here's here's the thing. Well, yes, certainly. Um, yeah, I mean, I wrote, this is really the story of a people walking towards freedom out of the darkness, more or less. And do I relate to that because now I'm a happily married gay man? Yes, totally. Um, 
Yeah, I guess that's all I wanted was applause. Yeah, yeah. I got wait, it. Wait, I'm sorry, Steve. You said, you're saying that your husband is autistic? No. No, no. <laughs> oh, God. You said, sorry, Keith. You said that you, had, you, 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 have, you both have a certain amount of autistic traits. And he is more than I So a neurotypical In person... In the best sense. A neurotypical person like you or I could have a, any number of... of Autistic traits. Yes. For Arti- instance, what, what, autistic what, what, traits are common. Like I don't a love know if there's of anyone in this room who thinks they might have autistic traits. Like, like give yeah. me, a, give yeah. me, a, for instance, of, of of yours. Like, what's what's one of your autistic, autistic traits? Autistic trait of mine. Um, in social situations, I feel like I'm running out of energy, and I really need to get someplace where I'm by myself and not so worn out by constant attention. All right. So that's one. Um, obsessive, obsessive uh, focus. Like, once I figured out that this same guy had worked for both Connor and Asperger, thus answering one of the huge mysteries of autism history, I was fucking obsessed. Like, I, 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 ended up, I remember this moment when I really wanted to be able to see a room in Vienna in 1938. So I literally, like, plowed through Google Images until I found a picture of that room with the portrait of Hitler behind the podium and it was like yes I am God I can see into a room in 1938 <laughs> how would you describe when you're researching yeah, that's a question I have as a dropout journalism major and a, a like because I sometimes find like I, I tried to find out how coconuts work the other day yeah. and I was astounded that there was no information about it online not the, not the specific kind I needed there was so much of one kind we, as a person who what is, is the, me- the re- mechanism in the coconut that confuses you the most? Yeah, did you? <laughs> so I, you didn't get to the bottom of that. I didn't. I didn't understand. I couldn't look. I was looking at a coconut. I had ordered a uh, coconut filled with ice cream from my local uh, vegan store because I'm healthy, and uh, <laughs> and I was eating out of the coconut coconut ice cream, and I was like, this thing is fucking amazing. It's so good. And I started looking up coconuts, and, and, and it was like, yeah, like you can make oil and and all this. Like 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 it was like. But the thing that kept plaguing me was, like, why would a tree, w- w- trees, like an apple is designed to make a, a chimp want to eat it, or a raccoon Can't, or something, well. so it poops out the seeds somewhere other than where the tree is. So I, I kept thinking, like, what, why would you play this hard to get as a as a tree? The answer is obvious to anyone who probably, there's probably like, you know, 30 people tweeted me in 10 seconds. But not not until after, I was amazed that I could Google it and, and within an hour not have found the very, very simple, obvious answer that probably people who grow up in Hawaii, like, know immediately or whatever. It's like, da-doy. It's, no, they're designed to float. They've bypassed mammalian technology there and probably predated it. A coconut is a little water proof submarine a boat um, with a little bit of potable water in it and a bunch of sperm and a bunch of coconut egg like and, it, and like it's designed to like float to another island and grow to it's fucking brilliant i i, I uh, once had a question like that for uh, oliver sachs who is the uh, re- recently deceased unfortunately neurologist who actually wrote the forward to my book and was a very good friend of mine and a wonderful guy he wrote books like the man who mistook his wife for a hat anyway we were once in a health food store or whatever and uh, I picked up this bunch of sage leaves that were very furry. And I knew that Oliver was not only a neurologist, but a botanist, kind of. And so I said to him, I wonder why sage has such furry leaves. And he looked at me and he said, because they like it. <laughs> That's a, a, an unsatisfying answer. That's how you 
And you're like, do you like hanging out with me? Like, I, I wanted you to come have a barbecue, but if you're bored or you want to wait in the car, <laughs> I'm just trying to make small talk, man. <laughs> um, the, now, did uh, you obsess on the sage leaves and, and go look that up? Did you ever? Did, I didn't go look. No, it was satisfying. I, I'm the same way. I'm a slow reader, and I, I like you know Dan listened to your thing at double speed and it made you sound like uh, what's his name? Uh, Scorsese. Um, I'm I am a fetishist with, with paper or books. I'm kind of a slow reader because I have to stop, look up every word I don't know, or every, even if if, it, if it's words I do know, I go, what's the, what's the etymology of that? Like, and, I, and, and, and then I'll go down rabbit holes of where did that root come from, and then and then I have to go back to a bunch of other pages because it reminds me of other words, and then I have to look at all the pictures of the inside of the room, and if they reference a painting, I have to look at all the artist paintings. I, I did that for five years writing this book. Well, like, so, so like that's what I wanted to ask. Yeah. So, selfishly, just to interrupt because that, that's my thing. It's like, so if coconuts <laughs> uh, were president, no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> if, if 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 I can't if I if I can't if I can't, if I if I can't, if I can't just give me a second. If I, if I can't find out about coconuts in two hours on the internet, my question is, how much information is actually on the internet? You, you, you said this is a 15-year... You describe yourself as sitting in stacks of books at universities. It's true. How much, of our, how much of our information is, and of what kind, is making it over to the Skynet? Is there a bias toward a certain type of information? Are we learning more about lightsabers and less about Bob Dylan? and like, 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 Or is it or more about those two things and we know nothing about... I, did you? If you've spent no, no, years I, I, researching, I, I try. Like I try to port things into the internet that otherwise might not make it. So if you guys have cool shit, whatever it is, like that's not in digital form, just try to make it available in digital form for people. You know, because some guy three hundred years from now is going to be writing the definitive book on something. And he's going to find your shit, and it's going to like be the central piece in some enormous world-solving puzzle. But also, you're like finding out all these amazing, like the fact that well, we didn't even talk about this. By the way, Asperger, Asperger, uh, he, Connor, to round out his role as villain, very clearly, like that we we the, well, the, if you type those names into the internet, you will see that they like uh, simultaneously started diagnosing autistics at the same time. You, right, and you, it, you, you know, actually I, Woodward and Bernsteined this shit. Right, I Woodward, right. <laughs> I figure that's the thing. For f since forever, as they say, <laughs> since forever, people have said that uh, Asperger and Connor discovered autism virtually simultaneously. An amazing synchronicity. One of the great medical synchronicities of the 20th century, which I even say in the Geek Syndrome. Anyway, it turns out that um, Asperger had this chief diagnostician named George Frankel, and he had a Jewish problem with the Nazis. He was Jewish. And um, so George Frankel was rescued from Vienna in 1938 by this guy in Baltimore named Leo Connor. Oh! So the same guy. Like for, for autism heads, like that's huge. Like it's a huge scoop. But here's the crazy thing. So I'm reading the book and going, man, this Connor guy, what a villain. And then you're. you're I, 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 but he was heroic because like, he saved Jewish uh, scientists and clinicians from the Holocaust. So every basically everybody in my book is really and, complicated. And if he buried his connection, his inspiration. Right, he really buried, he, right. He may have done it because Asperger was associated with Nazis. Right, may have been Nazis. associating with Nazis, it right. It may have been for so, an altruistic reason. Right. 
right, it may have been. So yeah, here's the deal. So Connor in 1943 becomes the world's leading authority on autism. Somehow, for the next several decades, he never mentions Asperger's work, even though Asperger's chief diagnostician and a woman named Annie Weiss, also from Asperger's Clinic, were with Connor when he quote-unquote discovered autism. Like, no one knew this before my book was written. And so, um, basically, Connor never mentions Asperger's paper. So people say, well, he just didn't read it. It was written in German, Connor's native language. Well... He somehow overlooked it because it was in this obscure German medical journal, one that Connor cited numerous times in his work. You know, and so the one time that Connor mentions Asperger's name in public is in this very dismissive book review written in the 1970s, and he says, oh yes, Asperger. What that man discovered was, at best, a 42nd cousin of my syndrome. Whoa. And has already received serious attention from investigators, which was total it, bullshit. It hadn't even been translated into English yet. Is that just male douchebag ego stuff? Well, no. I mean, you know, is it male douchebag ego? Or is it or, that, or, you know, or, Connor or, suspected or, that Asperger was a Nazi? Yeah, or, is it a know? Schindler-like right. like, 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 like subversion? You Believe know, me, of, that was uh, like the big, you know, if I could like summon people with a time machine and say like, why did you do this shit? You know, because the, the problem with burying Asperger in history was that it buried the concept of the spectrum so connor defined autism very narrowly and whereas asperger had seen it as this lifelong condition ranging from people who couldn't talk at all to chatty astronomy professors right. etc all it, in the upper tiers of society and and and, and, and as a Indirect, if not direct, result of that. Sorry, why right. am I cutting you off to tell you about autism? Keep don't, talking. Don't worry about it. So, so basically, <laughs> Connor buried autism, and someone had to find it again because uh, this cognitive psychiatrist in London named Lorna Wing figured out that Connor was wrong by basically walking through a suburb of London called Camberwell looking for autistic kids. And oh my God, did she ever find them? Many more than Connor's narrow model would have predicted. So she was like. Who are all these kids, these weird kids who would like play their favorite phonograph record 50 times over or, you know, couldn't read social signals or, you know, one got one teenager had three wristwatches because he kept them to various time zones. And guess uh, what? In the in 1978, if you're one of those kids and you're born black, right. you're because of that legacy of specialization of diagnosis, you would get mental retardation. You basically. don't come right. down that pachinko machine. With, right. Yeah. You don't, right. you don't, you're not the kid in the hoodie in the independent movie who's hitting himself in the head. You're, you're, you're just retarded because right. you're poor. Yeah. And, and that's like the, the that made me want to. Right. Like, and people, and you know, the anti-vaccine people, I don't want to stereotype them either, but you know, they say stuff like, you know, Jenny McCarthy once said, there were no autistic adults in the past. It's all now. Well, that would be news to my many middle-aged autistic friends, I have to say. But it, it would also be news to the two generations of autistic people who ended up in institutions. Oh. Um, so, so for 30 years, uh, between the 40s and the 70s, the, uh, Asperger's findings were all... They, li they were in a journal. They, had been, they, they were just buried yeah, away. Yeah, they were... Right. And, you know, they were like... Maybe five guys in Eastern Europe who like knew about his work, or, you know, so, ten guys. So that was unearthed how? Like how? That was unearthed how because Lorna Wing did one of the first basic prevalence studies of autism in the general population. In other words, unlike Connor, she didn't wait for autistic kids to come to her office 
she and a colleague named Judith Gould went out and pounded the pavement and like dug through medical records and special schools and all this to look for autistic agents. She saw so many of them. She was like, what the fuck? Like, what is going on? Like, why didn't anyone notice these kids before? And so then she stumbles over a reference to uh, Asperger's paper. And it was actually in a journal that Connor edited, and it was a paper designed to make Asperger's work look like a separate thing anyway. But she's like, what is this paper? Who is this Asperger? She didn't speak German. Her husband did. He translated it for her. She reads it, and it's like, this is it. This is the autistic continuum. That's what she called it at first. But she eventually thought continuum was like too... Maybe too science fiction word or something, you know, too dry. So well, she wa- well, it suggests that there's no distinction. Right. Spectrum suggests a rainbow. Right. And plus it was like a nice natural uh, yeah. image, you know. So, um, yeah, basically the concept of the autism spectrum came from Lorna Wing rediscovering Asperger's work after it had been buried by Connor for many, many decades. Is there, uh, is there, before we, before we let you go, we've, we've milked you dry, like, uh, I, I really appreciate, this has been you. amazing, uh, uh, an amazing interview, which I, I'll credit myself. Uh, Absolutely. I, I've really done a good job interviewing you. I did a good job booking you. We had a New York Times bestseller on our show about autism, which all of you clearly have. I did, I did a solid for all of society, and I wove gay people into it. <laughs> I, I'm the greatest man alive tonight. But I want to I wanna throw you a bone, so uh, is there anything... What kind of bone exactly, Dan? I know you're kind of like... <laughs> I, know you're, I know you're a Ginsburg fan. Uh, yeah, I, I knew you're that. from San Francisco. You're from the land of beat poets. I mean, like, like, like I, we, 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 we got applause from, from my favorite passages from the book, and I don't want to just like awkwardly and autistically bid you goodbye. Like, do, you, is there, do you have a favorite, like, like, kind of like, I'm nailing it here, or this is a great, great part of my book that I love? reading out loud is oh my there anything God. you want to share uh, I don't want to do that but, <laughs> yeah. but thank you I appreciate it read the book if you want yeah um, okay yeah, cool. yeah. I'm, I'm going to go right out and get it you, cool. can, you can listen to it at 2.0 speed it sounds like Martin Scorsese it's, uh, it's a 16 hour book that way um, oh, oh can, I t- can I tell you one thing I saw someone here before bringing this really cool piece of fan art mm-hmm. the really cool piece of fan art that somebody made for me about this book was it was bootleg audio cassettes of, of this book. So it looked like dead tapes, basically. <laughs> it was very cool. All right, cool. Well, thank you, Steve Silberman, uh, author of Neurotribes, neurotypical hero to the neuro, neuro, neurologically diverse world. Thank you, buddy. Thank uh, you, Steve. God bless you. It's called The Legacy of Autism, uh, the ne- Neurotribes, The Legacy of Autism and the Future of Neuroadversity by Steve Silberman with a B. Let's get my wife out here. I saw her. She's back there. Here we go. Welcome home. Hi, how's Tings? What's the crack? I was going to say, did you come back with an Irish brogue? 
Uh, what if I? What if I do? <laughs> hi. Uh, did you hi. come here from the airport? I did. I just landed like an hour ago, and I brought I brought gifts for everyone. Yeah. Uh, I was in Ireland for almost two months, uh, and I got these at the Heathrow Airport. <laughs> you pass these around. These are some Kinder Friends. Oh. Op- open those, those up. Those eggs, right? Uh, they make the eggs, but those are those are those are like little bars. I'm gonna toss these back. These are some Cadbury Dairy Milk caramels. Oh Everybody. damn! <laughs> so just open, <laughs> and pass them around. I love the Cadburys. Uh, Jeff, I brought you um, the Holdsworth Sensational Collection. These are these are some chocolates. Ooh! Thank uh, you. So <laughs> that that was a real reaction, by the way. Spencer. Oh damn! Oh shit! Spencer, uh, I thought you would want to try the Coca-Cola Life. Oh yeah. And uh, these are birthday cake, birthday cake M and M's. <laughs> What's Coca-Cola Life? Yeah. It's uh, oh, yeah, stevia. it's just it's just in Europe, and it's uh, I don't know, yeah, there's something. It's not, it's not sweetened. It's it has it's sweetened. I love stevia. stevia. It, it's still, it has calories on it. It's like supposed to be like halfway between Diet Coke and Life. Other things. Oh, Aaron, the chocolate is so good. All right. Oh, my lord. Dan, these are for you. These are jelly babies. Oh. Oh, shit. Doctor Who eats them. <laughs> oh, here's some more Here's some more chocolate. Uh, is this sad? <laughs> I just realized, like, was, it, was I nervous about coming back to Harmontown, and did I buy chocolate so everyone would be happy to see me? Somebody throwing bags of chocolate to a crowd is never sad. Uh, Dustin, this is for you. This is an energy drink called Relentless. <laughs> Relentless. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, uh, Morrissey head on the. It's Mor- Morrissey's face in a, in a uh, little star at the bottom of the can. It's, it's him going like, uh, uh, instant energy. And when Demorge comes out, the, these uh, this is Puddles by Cadbury. Oh, shit. Puddles. All right. Well, All right. goodbye. Going back. <laughs> well, let's get Demorge out here then. Demorge Brown, you want to come join us? Oh, yeah. And by the, by the way, the song we're hearing tonight is by our good friend Titanic Sinclair, and it's called The Ghost of Harmontown. Uh, it's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, Demorge, apparently, Erin uh, thought of you when she saw a puddle. I don't know what I did with the puddles. That's just oh, Oreo. It's, it's a Cadbury Oreo? Uh, here we go. Uh oh. Yeah. Yeah. There we uh, go. Much better. They got a, got a little crush. Is it a fruit nut? Is there nut, fruit in it? Smooth fruit. mint. Oh, yeah. a smooth mint. The fruit and nut one is a goodie. This is delightful. All right. Well, we got for Shadow Run, we got Nightblade. So just got, right back in it. This got, is. Oh, yeah. Can, can, we, can we talk about uh, this enormous piece of fan art? Speaking of oh. Asbergian fan art, <laughs> is Asbergian? Uh, uh, can we see what this is? This looks spectacular. It's a piece of cardboard. Should, you should turn it with our mayor's image. You should turn it and show the angles on yeah, it. Yeah, so the... It, it's, sort of, it's very cool. It's radiant on it. This one's no good. <laughs> wow Look at that. She wants you guys to sign that. Wow. All right. Uh, well, it's actually a gift for Dan Harmon. 
Oh, uh, Dan Harmon. You're not the guy that did the masking tape, uh, uh, Harmon, right? No. Is that that guy here? Oh, okay. What's your name? Fuck you, buddy. (laughs) Uh, What are your names of friends that that made the art for us? Huh? What's your name? My name's Elliot Franz. Elliot Franz? And did you do both of these, or? Uh, She did that one, I did this one. And your name is what, miss? Nicole. Nicole and Elliot, thank you so much. That's really, really groovy. And that guy made me a masking tape, Harmon. It's like all made a masking tape and then like a lacquer over it that I still have. But And then I accidentally blocked him on Twitter. <laughs> he was a casualty of the Harmon block uh, that we've talked about, which has yeah. overall given me a great deal of mental stability. But there are sometimes... I had to... Some, someone else on Twitter had to send me a link to a place where people who get Harmon blocks to congregate <laughs> and talk about whether their blocking was <laughs> J- just yeah, and they're very and it's it's a sad, have sad Smurf like, village of. <laughs> do they have different? Do they have different like leagues among them? Like uh, oh, I didn't. I didn't want to. I'm a deserved. I just saw. I just saw. All I saw was the guy saying like I I made him a masking tape Harmon and I was like well that <laughs> that guy shouldn't have been blocked. He didn't. <laughs> Do you remember I mean, the circumstances of why you blocked him? I blocked people who like so like if if you and I you know if we if we if we're joking around like like you know like sometimes there's some razzing you know yeah. like we razz each other sometimes when strangers razz me I block Ta- them. taking the Mickey <laughs> yeah <laughs> like 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 sometimes sometimes unearned razz like I have a I have I have an arbitrary definition for unearned razzing you know I like and it's it's like it's for it, the reason I started blocking is for my own protection I was like I was like well I don't want to get a, I don't want to Joss Wheaton out of the Twitter like I'll just like there's so many people on here that just want to say uh, I love you and hear me say I love you back and like why what, so you just block people but you don't have to hate them or judge them you just go like if if I make a joke and then somebody says get over yourself yeah. like and then I go well that's not why I get on Twitter I love that yeah. mute button I love that Twitter mute button yeah it's I a good button if you say if you mention the words teen and wolf on my Twitter. <laughs> I think I got somebody by accident today. She was making a joke about something else, but she said Teen Wolf, and I instantly was like, I, I was like, I have, I have a, like a standard reply that I've ha- I have on a little sticky note that I, I cut and paste to all the people, so I don't have to keep writing that I'm not the guy that fucking made Teen Wolf. Mute button's not enough for me. That would be enough for a healthy person. Blo- blocking, and specifically, I have to also then advertise the block. With a hashtag, so you, and then I'm like, so you have to bury them and then dance on their grave, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then sometimes it's tragedy. Right. You never just mute. You never just go ah cornfield. Did you kiss the Blarney Stone? <laughs> uh, I did not kiss the Blarney Stone. I didn't make it to the Blarney Stone. Right, good, because that would be cheating on me. <laughs> You didn't cheat on me. The no. whole, you were in mu- Europe for a month. Uh, more than a month. Was it surrounded not, by not surrounded Europe by either. handsome non-McDonald's uh, indoctrinated men <laughs> with abdominal muscles. And they, they have McDonald's. all of them look like Colin Farrell. Yeah, it's all. All of them have names like apart. Mally O'Malley. <laughs> <laughs> they do. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll miss that. They all. It was funny. Like we. I just uh, this last week was was shooting what I think will be a web series around Ireland and. 
wherever we went, I was there with uh, two two Irish guys that were helping me, and they would run into somebody, and they'd be like, "Oh, you're from Limerick. Do you know Sean O'Connor? Do you know?" But like the names are so generic. I was like, "There must be a thousand Sean O'Connors. There are like Michael Malleys and all that." That's, um, you think it's going to be a web series? Sorry? You think it's going to be a web series? Well, I shot, I shot this thing called, uh, that, that I'm calling McGathy in Ireland, which was like a parody of a travel show where I'm playing like an exaggerated version of myself going around Ireland and, uh, and, and being uh, emotionally self-destructive and stuff. And I, I, say, I say I think it's going to be a web series because I'm not sure exactly what it's going to be. Maybe it's going to be a, I don't know, I just shot a lot and figuring it out. Could be a what porn. about a one Could woman a show? Sorry, a one woman show. <laughs> uh, it won't be a one woman show because that would be weird. Um, <laughs> you mean if I if I was to watch all the footage and then transcribe it and then perform it as a one woman show? Or what about like uh, a mixed media mosaic? Yeah. <laughs> Do you think it could be that? Do you yeah. think it could be a mixed media mosaic? I think I think that's a good idea. Well, I like web really series idea. though. I'm gonna yeah. A- Aaron, <laughs> while you were away, Spencer became an idea man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 he's become oddly confined in his thinking about what's possible. It's like, like yeah. he used to be so much freer. Maybe, but, but maybe he's I really like he's really he really needs to categorize things now. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't say web series because maybe that that people are like Ooh, web series. I uh, love web series. It's going to be it's going to be a network television show. Well, you know what's not going to be a network television show? Harmon Quest. So uh, we still need to uh, get some asses and seats. So oh, yeah, if you yeah, want to yeah. go to HarmonQuest.com, you can sign up. Or Spencer will take more tranquilizers and you will eventually die. It's, uh, that's, I mean, that's going to happen regardless. That's the finale. Are we having trouble selling our seats? Have we put the link up? And oh, stuff? we're not selling them. We're giving them away. That's what I mean. Like, that's what a, we're having trouble with. There's a with. definite obvious, like, like the, the theater seats like 108 eight people and like the one that's on a Saturday night it's like there's 240 people responded within two minutes and then right. there's a couple nights where it's like 60 and 70 people well it's not it's better than that we you know there's a couple seats left it's not we're not in any danger you guys mixed signals Spencer are you going to give us our, our are, you, are you are you generating new characters for us oh yeah so I mean will I get that someday soon if you you know come get it <laughs> oh <laughs> I know a, I know a come on when I hear one. So, okay. I know I missed the boat. There's there's this uh there's a gentleman in this very room who's been standing against that wall for the whole show. What what are you doing? You just watching the show? Yeah. Okay. That's all I wanted to know. I didn't <laughs> I thought it would be rude to ask earlier when, uh, you know, Steve did, was on. Did you feel like he was, like, here in some official capacity? I thought he hated, uh, you know. Sitting? Uh, New York Times bestsellers or something. Yeah, no, I thought he was going to kill Steve Silverman. <laughs> and I've been watching. What about the other guy? Is that Steve? That's Steve uh, Levy. Okay. Yeah. So no, he's good. That guy was. Uh, yeah. Don't worry. Just feel weird for the rest of the. I mean, it's I only twenty yeah, minutes. You'll be fine. Yeah. He, he probably just doesn't have anywhere to sit, right? There's plenty of places to stand. I'm not gonna lie. I don't have a problem with you standing there, but I'm gonna comment on it. <laughs> now, now, Steve, I know you said that you're not a real like practicing religious Jew, but are you? Uh, is there something? That, is there something that you that we could all like do on Rosh Hashanah, like as, to as, as, as Gentiles and Goyim and whatnot? Is like, is there some fun thing that we can do to participate in your awesome New Year's? Well, uh... <laughs> 
I mean, is there a thing you say? Is do you put on a hat? Do you do a La dance? Shanti like... Anashana. You taught me something before. No, it's it's, 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 it's Toba. La Shana Toba. Nope. It's called Toba. No, so... Wait, we... we have a Jewish dissenter over here. Nope. How about close enough? No Jews in Ireland. <laughs> oh, uh, Saint Saint uh, Saint Goyim uh, t- led them to the sea, right, with a flute. Oh, there, there are some, but there's only there's only one. There, we led them with a flute. Uh, there's only one Jewish temple. But while I was there, I met a lot of people that were like. There's one synagogue or temple in all of Ireland. Yeah. Really? Yeah. What's that about? Right, all of Dublin. I don't know. Well, um, I mean, both, both yeah, I mean, ra- rabbis are- and leprechauns have uh, like there's competition for that corner. <laughs> Both of them, if you pour salt on their feet, they have to give up their gold. Like, and they're both just like they'll, they'll. If you if you say, well, there's a, just a lot of the stories about leprechauns. They have they have others. There's rabbi stories. You know, there's like oh, get, rabbi, give me your gold, and any any and and uh, and then it's like I'll I'll tie a ribbon around the tree that has the gold under it, and then there's like ribbon on every tree, and you're like. Rabbi. <laughs> what Dan's trying to say is happy Rosh Hashanah, Jews. <laughs> Shana Tova. I could be right. There's only one temple in Dublin. I could be wrong about that. Is that just, was there a, like a, a pogrom or a persecution? Or there's like Jews are like, no, nah, no, no. Ireland? No. Nah. <laughs> well, yeah, because there's no, there's no like real, um, there, there's, there's a reason for it as to do like the Industrial Revolution and stuff. And just Jewish people didn't immigrate to oh, yeah. Ireland. And also Irish people just think they're bad luck. So they put them in a hole and <laughs> cover it in peat. They're obsessed with luck over there. It's, 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 their dollar is backed by luck. <laughs> It's like it's like it's either the most ingenious or the worst decision you can ever make. Like ours is backed by nothing. It used to be gold, but they they converted to luck in 1938. <laughs> yeah. So they, if you they, have two dollars, it's worth four dollars because you're clearly luckier than someone with a dollar. <laughs> and it's very complicated, and a lot of people think it's going to lead to a big crash. Were they talking about fairies and shit over there? I hear they do that. They're yeah, like, man. Oh, the boggard came out this morning or something. You know, <laughs> Nixie's on the port bow. Uh, I mean, they don't. They don't talk like when you're ordering your coffee. They're they're not like on. Oh, let let the let the leaf fairy bless you today. Take okay. It it's not it's not like that. It is it is definitely like in the background. There is like a. It does. It does feel like genuinely magic over there, and there is like, I don't know. It is part of their. So uh, one of my one of my new Dublin friends told me that when he was a kid, that like he was afraid that the because he believed in fairies because he was a kid, uh, he believed that the fairies would come in and climb up into his bed and like pick at his face. Bed bugs. Bed bugs. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. They talk. They definitely talk about. They do something they do do, which took me a little while to get used to. Uh, when I was down and fi- uh, I went, I busked. Do you guys know what busking is? Yeah. But yeah, busking is street performing, and I did that in Galway a few days ago. And I had, I had just like a Celtic drum. And in the shop, when I bought when I bought the drum, I was I was trying to do it, and the woman was like, "No, no, no, it's it's up and down like a paintbrush." And, and I was like, oh, "Okay." So I got it. She said, "Nope, nope, but you have to leave the store. You have to." 
You got it. Uh, you cannot drum in here any longer. So we went out, went out on the street, and I, I like, with the drum, uh, started out, like, busking. It was also illegal to busk without a license, so mm, pretty cool. Uh, I busked in front of Tommy Hilfiger for a little while, um, just advertising Tommy Hilfiger. And then I... Uh, Is this on camera, or yeah, were you yeah. alone? <laughs> uh, I was, I was, uh, oh, both. Both. Um, but I thought it would be really funny to do, uh, do the soundtrack to Rent um, <laughs> on the streets of Galway. So I did that until I met this man that was blowing bubbles named Seamus. Um, and you probably met bubbles, too, I guess. <laughs> We'll be right back. <laughs> It'd be rude to not introduce yourself. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> this is dumb. Welcome home, Seamus. <laughs> I welcome back from the Emerald Isle of lyrical wit uh, to, to your shitty fat mountain of tits boyfriend who just wants to be loved. Uh, don't we all, um, Seamus? Seamus was blowing bubbles, and uh, I, I, I feel I needed. I felt like I needed more to my act, and so I walked up to Seamus and asked him what he was doing. And I was like, "Oh, I'm blowing bubbles. I love blowing bubbles." And I said, "I will you blow bubbles near me while I sing?" And he's like, "Yeah, all right. I'm like, yeah, sure, sure, sure." And so uh, he, he picked up all, like, he was blowing just one thing of bubbles, and I turned, and there's a whole line against the wall, like, all of these bottles of bubbles. And so I, like, helped him get his bubbles together. And, and the moment that I was like, oh, Seamus, like, I don't know why I didn't assume this. So Seamus, Seamus isn't neurotypical, um, as he, he was, like, polishing his bubbles. And I'm not... Uh, <laughs> I'm not diagnosing him as autistic, but uh, obviously he's not. Anyway, he picked up all his bubbles. And, or not obviously, why am I, uh, fuck me. Okay, so I picked up all the bubbles, helped him with the bubbles, and, and we started singing, and we're, I'm, I was singing, I was just like improvising about people that were walking by, and these kids were watching me, and, and these kids were eating their gelato and like laughing, and I was like, like teasing these kids. And he stops blowing the bubbles, and he says, have you ever had sex? <laughs> The bubble, bubble guy? Yeah, Seamus. Yeah, Seamus. Seamus stopped blowing bubbles. Oh no, he was still so blowing bubbles. You were the kid. To me, to me, to me, to me. And the, the kids are the kids are are how, pretty. How old is Seamus? Is he? Seamus is probably late fifties, early sixties. How old are the kids? Uh, they're right in the sweet spot. <laughs> they were good to go, Demarge. Yeah. In your parlance. <laughs> they, he didn't. He didn't see the kids. Also, Seamus didn't. I told Seamus. I said that you know we're going to be filming this it's for this silly travel thing so that's what those guys are doing with like this big camera and this boom mic and he was like had no did not care and uh the kids were far away and he turns to me and says have you had sex and i was like seamus um for shame uh i i I said i uh seamus i don't i don't want to have that conversation with you and i said ah i had sex once 40 years ago and he's saying this as he's like blowing bubbles and i look over at the guys who are filming and they can hear everything and they're giving me the like you cool face um or in ireland you grand um so uh he he then he then said uh, i had sex 40 years ago with a woman, and she was the only lady I ever had sex with, and she uh, she died last year, probably because she was so fat. And I was just, <laughs> I 
continuing to blow bubbles as I'm like, pum, lady in a blouse, squawking down. <laughs> And then I uh, what did he and then he and then he said, you know, they don't talk about AIDS anymore, do they? As I was like <laughs> Don't bury the lead, Seamus. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I, I, I think they still talk about AIDS. He's like, no, 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 they don't talk about it no more. They don't talk about AIDS no more. Uh, and I said, do you, I, I know someone with, with AIDS, and he just continued to blow his bubbles. Um, and uh, the saddest thing was that we put out a hat to make money, and uh, because I'm a brilliant businesswoman, put money in the hat myself, so people would be like, whoa. This, is, this must yeah. be good. It's called, uh, it's called bait, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we made, I made a deal with Seamus that like, we could split whatever we made, and we made a nothing. Um, <laughs> so I took, out, I took out 20 euro, like a, like a cash 20 euro, and handed, him to it, handed it to him, and I was like, here you go. He was like, we made this? We made this today? And I was like, yeah, yeah, we made this, made this 20 euro. Uh, and I gave it, it to him. It was from the AIDS talk. Seamus. Yeah. As I walked away from him um, and I was walking with my friends we, were, we had to, we were leaving to go to uh, Gaeltoc, which is like a village where they only speak Irish and I just started crying and I was like I, I just I feel so awful and they're like yeah, us too, like, let's, let's take a walk. That's the end of that sad story. <laughs> which is like, Wait, what so, made you feel awful? Yeah. Um, well, I it, it just it uh, I don't know. It just felt, it just kind of hit me with a. I don't know. I just it just felt really dark. Also, when I was busking, you know what? It, it also was that like at a certain point, I thought it would be funny to just list all my insecurities, as, like sing all my insecurities, and I felt like I was kind of exploiting myself a little bit. Um, I don't know. Do you guys ever feel that way? It's called Harmontown. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you just wanted to like you. You mean because he was sort of uh, touched and uh, in multiple senses, and you wanted to like. It was like a dark glimpse, like the guy that painted the our house, the the guy with the headphones. Uh yeah. Like that, I started crying about that. Uh well, you know, I, I never met him. Right. You know, I never felt bad for like we didn't feel bad for Seamus because Seamus. I think I think it was the juxtaposition of like me. Uh, feeling because I was listing all these things that I was insecure about and worried about, so it made me like really think about those things. Just juxtaposed with Seamus, who who not only does he blow all, bubbles all the time, he is always like, ah, oh, they're just so beautiful. The bubbles, look at the bubbles, and oh, look at this bubble and that bubble. And then uh, there were a couple of times when I was joke, I was and I was doing this for the camera, like when he would slow down a little bit, and I would be like, Seamus, come on. <laughs> let's go, let's go, let's go. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, just, and, uh, then, and then sometimes he would accidentally blow them in my face. But like he was, he was like, he was, he was happy. He was a happy person. And then I, w- I was like, you know, I'm beating my drum and like demanding the world to tell me I'm okay. And I was like, what's wrong with me? That was, that was why I felt sad. Hmm. But it was great. It was great fun. I also, uh, <laughs> it was real good. I also went, I, I took, I, I, was brought up mostly in Southern California, so obviously the, my first time taking surf lessons was in Ireland. That's uh, crazy. That you went yeah. surfing. Yeah, yeah, with with uh, with Alan, the surf instructor, who was very nice. And I'm sorry, Danny was very handsome, but he was very short. I wish some of these people were women. <laughs> would make uh, sense because they're half the population. <laughs> I don't understand why everyone in Ireland's a guy. Uh, <laughs> 
that all wants to teach you right, something. Right, right, right. Uh, well, in these stories, I, uh, I, met, I met all these people through uh, these wonderful female comedians in Dublin, um, Alison Spittle and Andrea Farrell. And so they, yeah, there, there, were, plenty, there were plenty of women. I was hanging out with a lot of women. Just no handsome ones. <laughs> Just no handsome women? I don't really understand your joke. He's oh, just, I see. Okay. He's yeah. Just, he's just connecting dots, man. Uh, <laughs> Should we play a tiny bit of Shadowrun before we, yeah. uh, before we fuck up? Let's do it. Jury's out on jelly babies. Do they taste like I'm jelly sure. well, bears? Not those. They're gummy like, bears. No, they're not like gummy bears at all. They're, they're shaped exactly like them, but they're, uh, they're, uh, no, they're very chewy. Like, I mean, not chewy, not yeah, as chewy yeah, as gummy bears. Uh, I mean, they're not. Oh, God. They're like you just eat them like a. It's I'm just like noticing a, that like they're really they're naked except for their shoes. Look at the cover; isn't that a little creepy? Yeah, and they're and they're, and they're all kind of humping something. Also, something that distinguishes them from gummy bears is that their flavors are very distinct. Like the uh, yellow ones taste yellow, and the and the and the dark ones are gross. They're like licorice. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like licorice. It's just interesting to know that that's what Doctor Who was eating the whole time. Doctor Who eats jelly babies. Oh, he does? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I think I can smell your jelly babies from here. Is it, are they kind of citrusy or like yeah, fruit, they fruit are. flavored? Yeah, Do you want to try a jelly babies? No, I don't like jelly. I'm not really like a jelly gummy I'd like candy to smell guy. your jelly babies. Are they any? I want to go blow bubbles. <laughs> I want to watch you blow bubbles when I <laughs> smell your jelly babies. Uh, let's let's play a brief shadow run, shall we? Just to yeah. uh, just to uh, just tie a nice little bow on this thing. Yeah, we got we got the we got a we got a, enough of a crew up here. Yeah. Yep. Demarge, anything on your mind? What, what do you got going on? He's or just a puddle. Being a green, I think it's a green jelly baby. What do you think about jelly the, baby? What's your what's your verdict on jelly babies? It tasted green. I had to. It tasted green, and I looked, and it was green. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow so, just a truth in advertising. See, it's that and ninety thoughts about soccer. That's all that's going on right now. <laughs> I, I went hurling. Oh jeez. Yeah, hurling I learned hurling. Shit. I played that's hurling. Bulimic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hurling. How'd you do? Um, well, I, hurling, hurling, which that's is right. everyone I know that's from Ireland has a big scar on their face because you like you give a bunch of kids sticks. Yeah. Wrapped in sheet metal and stuff like that. <laughs> the most complex set of tasks to do with yeah. That stick you have to ball. carry you have to carry the 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 spiff or the ball on the stick like an egg, and then you have to hit it into a net. It's like a combination of football and rugby and it's weird but I played it with a bunch of eight-year-old boys um meow <laughs> why do I keep on making uh, pedophile jokes um oh I made a joke about pedophilia at the surf thing which caused a lot of problems and they kept on calling the guy that was produced the guy with the penis that was producing my show uh and just demanding that it not be in the show anyway who sorry. did the surf instructor and I wasn't even making a joke about them or anything and it wasn't even on camera but it wasn't even their joke why, why are they why do they have demands they didn't want pedophile like pedophilia associated with the surf school and they did it so much that I was like I feel like I think that's fair oh it's, no it is fair but uh, we were like we weren't even filming it's, it's fair to not want pedophilia associated with microscopes but if the owner of a microscope company was that insistent about it I'd start investigating him. <laughs> 
and, uh, let's put you on a slide and yeah. look for pedophilia. Yeah. And he'd be like, this is exactly what I didn't want. And i go, yeah. But they were... But they I'm, were I'm getting that impression. He runs a school. They're he really great. Want, yeah, he's, he's, there's children that come and take surf yeah. lessons from him. He can't, get, he can't be making pedophile jokes. Is that sur- surfing and children? That's a big thing? He's, like, he's a teacher. Schools yeah. are for children, man. Yeah, I actually don't want to talk anymore about it because I promised him I wouldn't talk any- about it anymore. Uh, well, we what was the name we, of this? We pe- didn't promise him anything. Uh, <laughs> what was the this name? Guy sounds like a pedophile this is, this to me. Is called, this is, it's uh, tiny, tiny touches, full hearts. Uh, <laughs> 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 sounds like this guy wants to hang it's, ten. It's called. It's called years our, old. It's called our little. It's called our little secret surf school. Uh, <laughs> Cow a bunghole. It's called. <laughs> No one will believe you. It's uh, <laughs> so awful. I'm doing dumb puns, but you're going really dark. Like It's called Doesn't This Make You Feel Special? I chose you. Surf school. <laughs> uh, the surf isn't all that's up. My, my, my hard dick. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason it's hard is because you're young. <laughs> Surf school. <laughs> we don't have Sorry, to play Shadow. We can just do ten more minutes of this. I'd be yeah, quite no. happy. <laughs> uh, just take off your shirt, Surf School. We can't play Shadow. There's, there's no time for Shadow Run now. Let's, no, just, let's just ride this metaphorical wave into the. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, one the, of their one of their slogans could be. Uh, Now, (laughs) students now 20% less likely to die by shark attack because the uh, relative to the ways that they're likely to die from coming to our surf school because the other ways are spiking, which include disappearance. Uh, Wave goodbye to healthy sex in your adulthood. Surf school. We, I can't. <laughs> the shadow runs. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the least, did, 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 the least lucky did, place in Ireland. Did, 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 was there somebody else that we wanted to? Uh, was there any other business we had no, to attend? That, that's not happening. That's I got okay. the date wrong on that. Okay. All right. Uh oh. We we had a little secret surprise, but we're, we're, we're doing it another time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was at Dan it's and me I announcing my new surf school. <laughs> Brought Dan, to you by Jelly Beans. Dan Spencer and I and Demorge have been working on an all-nude review for you guys, and uh, it's going to have to wait another week. Yep. Why am I not in it? Because you're out of town. Oh, all right. Fine. <laughs> you know what? Okay, so a couple of things to warn you about. Nigel puked on the duvet. Like, and I, there's not another one. He's just, there's, Did you clean it up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, he it's puke. Uh, it's not cl- permanent. <laughs> but did you, it's puke. Did you not clean it up, really? I cl- yeah, I cleaned. I took toilet paper and I cleaned it up. Did yeah. you spray it with anything? Well, no. Jesus. Like, like, is it what still, else? On, is it still you, on the bed? Did you yeah. shit on the floor? What else happened? Um, and then there's also like, well, just I mean, I would just be prepared. That I, I feel like Harvey when he when you get when you walk in the door. I would like to videotape it. I, 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 the dog seeing you again. I feel like Harvey may pee. Like he may pee because he's been peeing 
Like he, emotionally. He, he, he peed all over my... I came over and he laid on his back and just arced a beautiful little rainbow of pee all over my shoe. I think part of that was the steroids from his ear infection medication. Also, the cat's dying. Welcome home. She's, uh, she has, she's on three different uh, types of medication and one of them is a bag of fluid that I've probably told you about because I've owned cats before and they're, once their kidneys start going... So now we're one of those families. We're gonna have to hang a bag of and do the subcutaneous uh, injection into Fiv. And Steve, like, do you think it's too late to book another flight back to? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. I was like, oh god. Uh, Aaron, no, on, on, it'll it'll be grand. It'll be grand. On a positive note, uh, Dan informed us, the audience tonight, that he'd taken his first uh, shower since you've been gone today. <laughs> <laughs> At least you dressed up for me. <laughs> uh, really, the what, the first shower? Why would Why would I? It's fine. It's your It's your own It's your own life. It's your own body. It's a life I share with you. What? It's a life. Uh, fuck you guys. <laughs> what the first shower in like two months, guys? That's crazy. No, but it's fine. It's your own It's your own business. <laughs> That's a. This is going great. Seems, uh, seems no, like you fine. cheated on me in Ireland. Like well, with what? showers, with so many showers, with well, so many showers and baths. Um. Well, Dan, did you cheat on Aaron with video games? Yeah, I loved them. <laughs> I cheated on you with uh, myself, with That's... some with some some good self discovery. I spent a lot of time. It's... <laughs> I did masturbate. Someone was giggling. I did. Did you bring masturbate. some t- tingle sticks along? Some tingle sticks. What are tingle sticks? That's cattle prods. Here we go. Um... <laughs> oh, I see. I see. No, no, no. Um, I I I had a great time. I spent a lot of time by myself. Realized. That I'm okay. It's all good. I did a play. I did a lot of stuff. You seem a little unhappy. I mean, I just got off of a 14-hour flight. Uh, were you f- first class? I was first class. And I flew first class. <laughs> <laughs> what airline? <laughs> I feel like we're just... Uh, I, uh, British, British Airways, which is nice. very nice. Yeah, very nice. Through uh, American Frequent Flyer Miles. Damn. Damn. Well, yeah. Demorge, we didn't want to get Boy, to talk to you much seats. tonight. Does, uh, do, do you have final thoughts for us, Demorge? No, man. I, you know what? <laughs> the biggest thing that happened is doesn't compare to any of this is that I spent uh, a couple of hours uh, uh, going on a rant about academized poetry. And, and, you know, I had a friend who was saying, you know, I, I'm getting into it on my own and there's no place to, to find it. Uh, and Academized I, poetry? Yeah, just poetry that is, I mean, right now... the for, Speaking of masturbating. Hey, <laughs> up here, dude. It's a sexual organ. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, the, the, you know, we've lost track of, we lost track of poetry maybe 25, 30 years ago. Um, we don't even know who, we don't even know the definition of American younger, the younger American poets. Are you a, are you a poet? Do you write poetry? Like, no, but I ran, I ran the writing program in college, and I ran the writing journal with uh, a couple of friends of mine. 
and and I just and it's just so you get in that habit of just just following and, and keeping up with who are who the new younger American poets are, uh, and uh, so it wasn't an angry rant. It was just saying to my friend, there are these places in town, all over the place, and they're free and it's frequent and it's often, and his face lit up because he generally was. Uh, uh, reading on his own and loving what he was reading, and had discovered how to read a book of poetry, which we don't even teach kids anymore. We don't yeah. teach them how poets come up with a book and what that means about their lives. The same way an album comes together. Uh, and a lot of cases, just as exciting. Um, impossible to convince you of that right now. But uh, if you know it, it's true. And you spend a lifetime developing that and stacking it up on top of itself and stuff. So there was a, a rant. Uh, that I won. This is in between me screaming about the Jets kicking the Cleveland Browns' ass. Uh, hey, it happened. Our quarterback has a broken jaw. The second string guy destroyed you guys. The defense looks amazing. Our coach is a genius. Suck it. Suck it. That was a haiku. No sports. No sports. No sports. Definitely no sports. No sports. No and sports. also our sports suck. Definitely sports suck. And just. <laughs> And it's just, and then just the shit show that is Arsenal and our French coach sitting in interviews and just going, well, we had a certain quality and the, the players were, uh, they were good today and the boys did whatever they did. Yeah. These are the things that, that I, uh, I'm single guys. So. I was hoping someone would yell no in response to that. <laughs> Go ahead. You know, I, if you zip your uh, dick into uh, a swimsuit, which, by the way, don't get a swimsuit with a zipper. I was going to say. One. Right. In the ocean, sharks will come. Cliffhanger! Thank you for coming, everybody. Welcome back, Aaron McGaffey. Demarge Brown. Thank you very much. Thank you, Nicole and Elliot, for the lovely art. That was fantastic. One more time for Steve Silverman tonight, everybody. And as always, I want to thank Chris Boroff, our tech director, Kevin Day, our internet guy, Sarah Hill, Zach McKeever, and Dustin Marshall. Spencer Crittenden. I'm Jeff Davis. Your mayor is Mr. Dan Harmon. Drive fast, take chances all. National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. <laughs> the NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Hello, beautiful. I'm Amy Errett, founder of Madison Reed, a hair color company I named after my daughter. One of the things I value most in life is time. Time to spend with my daughter, time to spend with family, and the time I put into my company that's reinventing the way women color their hair. The busiest, most successful women I know use Madison Reed, the amazing hair color hack. 
In under an hour and for less than $25, Madison Reed delivers gorgeous, shiny, multi-dimensional, healthy-looking hair with an ammonia-free formula. You'll look like you just came from a salon, but the reality is you have more me time to do what you love. Things get busy. Let us take care of you and your hair. Find your perfect shade at madison-reed.com and get 10% off plus free shipping on your first color kit. Use code NEW. That's code NEW. Try it. Love it. That's the beauty of Madison Reed. 